Gundam. You guys just took off with all your cold, refreshing Coors Light. Who do they think they are? They are who we thought they were. They are who you thought they were? Well, who do you think they were? They are who we thought they were. Okay. Well, if you knew who they were, why didn't you stop them? We let them off the hook. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show that has more pedo bears per capita than your average preschool. What? Gundam at MHQ. Look out, La Petite. Uh, <laughs> do, uh, do we have like a, the special guest of Pedo Bear North and Pedo Bear South on this episode that I didn't know of? I, I say that even though we don't. Okay. So I don't know why I said it, but I just did. Because <laughs> that's how I roll. Deep. So... As usual, uh, it's the usual Gundam crew, just the three of us, Chris, and I'm joined by... Neo. And Soulbro Ryu. This is, uh, this is a landmark episode. Yes, it is. This is uh, the... W- w- what's 25? Is that silver, gold? I think it's silver. It, it is silver. Yeah. Well, it's the silver anniversary, episode 25. We finally made it. After countless screw-ups, mishaps, annoyances, and whatnot. Oh, man. What's the, what's the magic number to syndication? I think that's 65. 65. 65, okay. <laughs> For us, it's going to be several decades away. <laughs> oh, man. I think podcasts will be obsolete by then. Oh, oh man. Just be broadcasting directly into people's brains. <laughs> nice. Okay. There's a new FCC initiative. <laughs> and manipulate thoughts. So in this uh, silver episode of Gundam, we're going to be jumping back up to our usual three topics, but uh, we're not going to be uh, doing any show killers anytime soon. So all of those of you looking forward to it, no eight-hour episodes coming anytime soon. (laughs) So in this episode, we are going to dig up the old uh, Gundam topic list that was created even before I joined the show, and we're going to be discussing what we think is more important in a show, the characters or the mecha, which is sure to have some some great great discussion there. We are also going to be wrapping up our discussion of Season 1 of Gundam 00 with our (laughs) of episodes 22 to 25. Say it ain't so. Yes, finally after Several failed attempts. We're going to close the door on that hey, sad chapter of Gundam history. Okay, Chris, does this mean that there might be a light under the tunnel that the Iron Man episode might sometimes <laughs> resurface? Because uh, we only did double O, uh, you know, twice before. Well, I'm thinking that would probably be in, say, what, 2010 when Iron Man 2 comes out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So a double header there, and we'll also be talking about uh, in our was it twelfth uh, twelfth installment of uh, Gundam Roundup. We'll be looking at After War Gundam X, aka New Mobile Century Gundam X. Uh, anybody have anything they want to say before I turn it over to Neo for ill-informed news? <laughs> I'm good. And well, in that case, hats off to you, Neo. Do your thing. <laughs> and from the ill-informed news central. Located here in Orlando, Florida, I'm your ill-informed newscaster, Neo. Location and Orlando. <laughs> Destination Orlando. Um, 
Yeah, I should really do that considering it's the anniversary of December 7th today. But um, quick, some quick little news here. Uh, I'm sure unless you've been living under a rock or you don't haven't gone to Mecca Talk or listened to Gundam in the last like two or three months, then Gundam 00 had premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel starting on November 21st, and they've been showing two episodes a week. They're actually, this is a time of our recording right now. We're going to be getting into probably f- uh, five and six uh, the day after this recording. So any of you guys that haven't been able, uh, missed it or whatever, uh, get your DVRs ready or, um, you know, check it out. So, um, you know, hell has truly frozen over. Uh, Gundam <laughs> is on American television outside of Cartoon Network. God forbid. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, here's some other well, interesting... If, if William Street could, could see me right now, I'm, I'm waving a, a middle finger at them. <laughs> <laughs> as hard as you can. As hard as <laughs> you Doing this as hard as I can. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that brings it to a, another um, article that I got, or another news article I got off here off of Anime News Network. Um, in the December issue of Katakawa Shoten's New Type, they announced that there's going to be, uh, they're, that they're super dimensionally going to launch a new Mecha or Macross related magazine in January. Oh, and it's going to be a bi-weekly reference publication devoted to the you know the science fiction romance anime franchise. Showa Gukin has already pu- they publish uh, what's called the Macross Chronicle every two weeks, and um, you know everyone knows that Kawa has been publishing Gundam Ace, a monthly manga magazine that focuses exclusively on different robot anime franchises since 2001. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess the reason behind this is uh, Macross is. Uh, gained a lot of resurgence of popularity in Japan with uh, Frontier uh, that you know concluded um, you know a few months ago, and I'm sure you heard our Super Size Show Killer episode review on that. So um, you know a lot of brand new um, Macross stuff coming to us, and that brings us to another Macross related uh, article. A new story here is there's going to be a new Macross manga that's going to be uh, drawn by uh, Hirohiko Mikimoto. Awesome. He's the famed character designer and manga creator of, you know, great things of Macross, um, Gundam 0080, or a boy love, and for the top and Gunbuster. And and he's going to be uh, he's drawing the tentatively titled manga The Super Dimension Fortress Macross the first and it was uh, recently revealed in the Macross Ace magazine and the January issue uh, will make the announcement of this new ma- of the new Macross or the new Macross manga he also did um, a code DCL for Gundam the, the manga for Gundam oh really yeah he's the artist for that it's cool that's guy. really did, did they did it go over what the manga is about that he's doing for Macross is it a retelling of the original story for Super Dimensional Fortress Macross or it has really gone too much into it um i guess the it's gonna the, the, they're talking about the magazine's also gonna have um uh, the macross ace is gonna have something called macross frontier secret visions sweet and that's from series script supervisor uh hiroyuki yoshihino from macross frontier mm-hmm. sounds and, like freaking like, like like dojin title yeah it does doesn't it yeah. Visions. oh alto-san oh <laughs> uh, luca Alto Senpai. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, this is all in conjunction with Macross Frontier being the 25th anniversary of the, the television series, the Macross television series. And really have, they're really not going into any, I don't have anything here about what it's going to be about, but I'm sure it's going to have something with maybe a love triangle. Oh, snap. Maybe transforming robots. 
um, and probably music. I'm going on a limb on this one. You can quote me on that one. And I would just say if anyone wants more information, since you can usually find it there first, just hit up the uh, Macross World forums at uh, macrossworld.com because you know, there's always someone translating all of this information right as it comes out from Japan. So yeah. if there's any place that would have it first in English, that'd be the place to get your information. Yeah, and, it, and it's definitely nice. And I guess we were we, probably all of us were kind of thinking, um, you know, what after Frontier, what they were what route they were going to go and i guess it's a good thing i mean the popularity is back in macross and bringing out all this cool new stuff might be um you know might be what it needs and even though i'm with chris i'm a little kind of skeptical about something called secret visions um <laughs> i uh <laughs> you know i'll definitely look forward to it but um got some uh, listener submitted articles here and this one comes from uh, Pedo Bear North, oh. Destiny Gundam. And uh, I picked this one actually because it, it would, um, I think Chris will kind of find some enjoyment on this. He had sent me an article from the Anime News Network talking about the Japanese animation DVD rankings from November 2006, and, or from no, November two, uh, 26 to December 2nd. And the fourth one up there, guess what it is, uh, Chris? Your favorite of all favorite mecha shows. Pedo Bear North. She would that be uh, Nanoha? <laughs> Actually, I'll give you one more chance. <laughs> would that be Would that be uh, 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 Strike Witches? Yes, it would. At number four, debuting at number four. Yes. Strike Witches Limited Edition number three. Wow. The pantsless these with their flying plane parts. And uh, some other notable titles in here. Uh, Sixteen was uh, Lelouch Arc. Lelouch. Kogius Lelouch of the Rebellion R2 Volume 4. Um, and. Yeah. And <laughs> never heard of it. Um, and 22 was uh, Macross Frontier Volume 4. Never heard of it either. I um, wonder if that's good. I'll have to read some, read some reviews on that. Those oh. must be new. Um, <laughs> and that's about it. And, and uh, you know, anything that we. You know, there's some other things in here like Bleach or whatever, but they're not mecha related. So. Bleach pants. But uh, thank you, uh, Pedo Bear North, for your news article. Uh, brings us to another one from an, another um, one of the more noted posters on the Mecha Talk forums, Areku. And he had <laughs> sent me an article uh, from discoverychannel.com. And I guess there's a new show that's going to be called Prototype Island that's going to that started on October 15th. Oh, and they're showing every Wednesday at 10, 10 Eastern. But what makes it funny is they actually have a um, <laughs> they actually have a rundown of the different shows. Uh, but he actually pointed out one that was pretty interesting here. And oh man, we missed it too. It was on December third. Oh, Maybe the? you can find it. And basically, I guess what these got there's a, it's a team of engineers and PhD that are inventing uh, future prototypes uh, for you know different things that you know for different tasks or you know that people have things mm-hmm. like mind controlled car boxing robots a traffic busting truck but uh, this one actually relates to what we talk about and that's automated pizza delivery what uh yeah they actually did a they actually did an episode where there's uh they um it says here finally given a chance to work out a solution the most pressing problem the guys go all out to come up with a way to get their favorite food delivered to the remote island they try their hand at blimps robot and robots before getting serious with an autonomous car that attempts to drive a piping hot pizza pie across the bray bridge all by itself so as Areku said in his post it looks like saji might be losing his job if uh <laughs> If, uh, if, if, if we go from this point in history and 300 years from now, we have giant robots. I thought that was a 
little funny there. Downsizing. <laughs> but um, uh, just got two more articles here. Uh, this next one is from uh, Lightning Count. And I know in episode 24, we had talked about Gern Logan, and we had spoken that uh, that you were able to see it here in the States on Sci-Fi Channel, and that it was recently replaced by Double O. But for all of our Canadian listeners, uh, good news that Gurren Logan is going to be launching on Super Channel 2 uh, December 8th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And uh, they're going to be showing at 10 and 10.30. So uh, all, of our, um, all of our Canadian friends, I'm sure you guys already know. And if you don't, yeah. You know, now you have some Destination TV. This channel's shown in the past uh, Advent Children, Final Fantasy VII, Vampire Wars, Psychic Wars. And um, so, you know, for all those guys that haven't been able to check out Gurren, Gurren Logan in Canada, there you go. Now's a chance. And uh, some sad moose hunting. <laughs> Happy moose <laughs> Happy moose hunting. <laughs> and some sad news here. Uh, this is from Hayaku Shiki, and he had submitted that... Um, you guys might know this. You and Chris, uh, Solbro and Chris might know this. You ever hear of somebody called Mikiko Tirashima? Yeah, he was a voice actor. And his claim to fame, um, anybody that would know about him, and this is where I kind of took this article, was he was Burakatsu in Gotcha Man. Really? Yeah, he was the Japanese voice. He also performed in Dagger of Kamun and Nippon Kumin Gaiden. And he was also, uh, oh, he was show Yamazaki and uh, Space Shuttle Battleship Yamamoto. What? And he also appeared in some roles in the Big O and Turn 8 Gundam. So oh, okay. I was about to say, was he in any he was Gundam 77. Shows? 77. Wow, yeah, so man. he had a pretty long life. And they have a picture here, and he looks like a pretty nice guy. Yeah. Got a little goatee and a beard, bald oh, head. Man. So he was so chill. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's kind of sad to see that. But uh, that's the news. Well, since we're going to be ending on such a nice, uh, depressing note. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put the sad stuff to begin with from this point Just on. put it in the middle, like, so it's sandwiched between okay. other stuff. <laughs> Amazingly, here we have, we got through a Neo's new segment without Solbro spoiling it halfway through. Yeah, this well, must be a first. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll be back in fine form next episode. Actually, uh, I, I noticed he was turning off his mic. He was turning it on and off. So <laughs> I think he wanted to say something. I, I said what I had to say about Mikimoto, at least. Uh, you know, his um, his involvement with uh, Ico Duciel. I mean, that's a beautiful Yeah, but you didn't manga. spoil it. You're I like, didn't before spoil you start the news, let me tell you this little <laughs> bit of news. Yeah, Gurren Logan's going to be shown in Canada. Isn't that awesome? Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> so on um, non-Solbro spoiler note, we'll uh, wrap up. Neo's News, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. We're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Gundam, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? 
Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a it's not up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. It's a gun last goddamn time. I want somebody who uses Miss brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I gotta talk about a dog dying. Level nine. A lot of games don't necessarily teach accountability. You get you get a free pass here and there. With Mega Man, if you mess up, it's your own fault. Because these games uh, follow a pattern. That's right. It's, your, it's That's right. up to you to learn this pattern, memorize this pattern, and work w- uh, with the pattern. I find myself playing this game, and if I mess up, if I die, if I hit spikes or something like that, uh, you know, I, I take too many hits or something like that, I don't get upset. You know what I say to myself? You know what? I deserve that. It's a more I should have like, known. It's more like two steps forward, yeah. one step back, not one step forward, two steps back, because mm-hmm. it's up to you to trial and error to memorize these patterns and continue on. Not like mm-hmm. these cheap-ass games like yeah. They're Alive 4, <laughs> where no matter what the hell you do, the, the computer's going to keep cheating you. And Listen, it's like, you. life is challenging, everybody. You have to pay attention, and you have to learn from your mistakes. Learn from them, get better, That's and then right. succeed. And that, at the end, is what Mega Man teaches everybody. And I and now as an adult, Night time's over. Keep your eyes open, Rush. I don't trust these guys as far as I can kick them. Kick them. Next. I said next. God damn it! This is not the DMV. All right, move it along. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ, and we're going to try for the third time to tackle something that's become near legendary in Gundam hour <coughs> for episodes 22 to 25 of Gundam 00. What was so instead that? of actually reviewing <laughs> the episodes, we're just going to briefly talk about them, because if we did attempt to <coughs> them, uh, they'd invariably get lost again and and we'd have to start all over again so we're just gonna talk about them and and not uh do that other thing that we normally do we won't be saying the r word in this one. Oh no i, I don't know what that is <laughs> there we go <laughs> so without discussing any of the events that really happen uh i'll throw it to you guys quick thoughts on episode 22 uh trans am aka ali's killing spree <laughs> I didn't, is, is that sub is that subtitle going to be in the American release? It needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I guess the big surprise was uh, you know the Trans Am system, and we see that there still is that whole conspiracy thing being even deeper with the celestial being Meisters, and you know the uh, Elio Schnellberg couldn't trust anyone, and the only people it seemed like he could even trust were Meisters he never met. So, um, you know, that was pretty interesting. Uh, yes, the the uh, the killing spree of old Ali uh, put him up there with uh, a lot of the uh, uh, big bads and a lot of these different animes, especially in some of the Gundam shows. I mean, um, man, he might be he might be one of the the cruelest ones, actually, to be honest with you, when it comes to the big bad in the um, in, in a Gundam, and you know we get to see the whole thing with uh, ribbons and um, Alejandro actually getting through to Veda, so. We see that things are going to get a oh, lot yeah. worse. 
That's so. that's that's when um Eolio was shot with the golden gun. Yeah. <laughs> and the only downside I'd have to say on that episode is for as smart as Elio Schnellenberg was and he had all these contingencies and all these different plans, why couldn't you put shatterproof or bulletproof glass on your crypt? Hey, Especially in, if it was keeping you alive. In, it's a clone. <laughs> in his in his defense, it took a couple shots. <laughs> well, yeah, but it didn't. Alejandro Corner, he is he is he is no Christopher Lee. <laughs> he is not, but he is um he is the pedal the official pedal bearer of Double O. So, bro, uh, tell us once again uh, about uh, Michael's fate. Oh man, for the third time. <laughs> what's what's awesome about that scene is just that you know. Ali just throws him there, like you know, like 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 he's got nothing to fear, and he and he, and he gets up in there, and he, and he he comes down, taxis down from his mech, and you know, he's talking to the 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 Trinities, and you know he's telling them what's going on. Matter of factly, that you know these guys are getting phased out, and the minute the minute this fool, you know, Michael, he's 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 quite he's he's quite um fond of his little little prog knife. <laughs> and the minute that fool reaches for it, Ali just smokes him. I mean, like, like, like it was an episode of Gunsmoke, man. The fool brought a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, <laughs> shot that it's man like, right dead in the heart. It's like Ali was not playing. It's like with a smile on his face too. And that guy is the straight. I mean, he's he's the he, Ali's the he's just the embodiment of chaos. I think it's a Quentin Tarantino quote of uh, what happens to people who bring knives to uh, a fight? They yeah. get shot. Well, <laughs> You know, it made that, that 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 whole exchange even better. Was not only did he shoot Michael in the heart, he then told Johan to get into his Gundam yeah, it's like, Go to ahead. fight Ali and his brother's Gundam. He said, "Go ahead, I'll wait." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you know basically takes care of him in a nice duel. But uh, <laughs> the other highlight of this episode, I'd have to say, is it was Saji free. Oh Jesus. It was a Saji free episode. The king is not present. The king is not present. Not that I, not that I can remember. He deserved I mean, a vacation. I could be proven his, wrong. His sister just died last ep. He just what he, well, he was no, at the morgue. She died earlier than that. I think it was twenty one that he was identifying her body. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. It's been a while. I, but um, twenty or twenty one. It's indeed twenty one that he's identifying her body. Yeah. So it's like the man. The man deserved a vacation, man. That's right. He was back watching it via satellite. Next up, we'll get into that. Mm. In full detail. Saji. As far as my thoughts, uh, you know, this is like, these, this whole chunk of four episodes, I think, is where everything really starts to, like, hit the fan and get fast-paced. And you got, yeah. you know, all these surprises like, you know, Alejandro killing Aeolia. You've got, uh, and getting control of Veda. You've got Ali, you know, wiping out two Gundam pilots like they were nothing. And it just really starts, you know getting to that part where everything's been building up to so that's in general applies for all of these episodes but this is where all that stuff really starts happening so episode 23 we have the world stopped aka lock on dies at sunrise oh no <laughs> <laughs> just how it would be named if this was a super robot show with the with the other subtitle of lock on lock on lock on uh, at least at lock on got the upgrade this episode of losing an eye <laughs> Became Harlock on as as so quoted by by so many people, but it's such a fitting name. I, I thought this was this is by far probably a lot of people's favorite episode. Also, the episode that a lot of people were heartbroken over because you know the man has his final end and it. You know, a lot of people get pissed off about the fact that he almost had Ali, but you knew Ali wasn't gonna die. You know, he was gonna go out like that, and, and instead, um, what's his name, Daryl Dodge, Bob Makahara, Bob Makahara. He um, yeah, had that. Had, had to interfere suicide. with the fight. That's that's why the man was in the show. 
<laughs> just for just to go out the way he did. And um, when when um, he interfered with my man, um, I'm like, sorry, my 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 um, I you know I, I don't can't think even, I can't, in even, this I, one. can't I can't I can't I can't um, shame him. My my friend Lock on when he um, interfered with his revenge. The writing was on the wall. You, you kind of knew this, the tone of this episode that this was going to be basically, you know, goodbye, big brother. Oh. And um, it also marks kind of the turning point of where Lockon was kind of the official, unofficial leader of the Meisters to an extent. Um, and and kind of that galvanizing force between the three of them. And this is when it basically, you know, it, it kind of moves on to, um, you know, basically they... they the, the remaining three start to kind of fight their own battles that we see later on uh, towards the you know the end of the sh- uh, the end of the season here it was pretty heart wrenching the way he went he did go but you know where else was he going to go um, you know I know people were mad that uh, Lockon got killed and I you know I was with him I you know he was a great character but uh, the way that the story was progressing you really couldn't see him go much more than what it was I mean he he finally. F- identified who Ali is, the person that was behind the attack on his parents right. uh, in Ireland, you know, within the terrorist group. Um, and, you know, he was he was pretty, he was hurt morally. Um, you know, we never really knew what the extent of the damage to his eye was, but it had to have been pretty bad. And um, Wasn't you know, it his dominant eye, too? That got, that, yeah, uh, yeah, it was his right eye, I believe. But, um, you know, and, and like Chris said, we do, we, now we start to see how things just for everybody goes, uh, you know, three times faster in, in the whole thing. Um, brought to you, you by know, Pontiac. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> people are dying. Um, there are, you know, battles that are just escalating beyond control. Um, the, you know, the commanders are losing control, um, and everything just seems in disarray. And a lot of it's coming down to the whole thing of Ali. Uh, it's like you said earlier that Ali's kind of chaos on the battlefield. Well, you know, he is that guy, he is that one factor that just basically. You know. Speaking of Ali, there's a really good scene in this episode where Ali and um, Sergey meet up. Ali's under his um, his pseudonym of Gary um, Biagi, I believe, and yeah. um, um, they they have like this moment. Where oh, yeah. I think that you know it, it may be foreshadowing something in the in this in the later season, and I hope they do run across each other again. But I, I like that scene of tension between the two of them, and that kind of sense of familiarity that uh, Sergey had when he ran into him. At least that's what I took from it. Well, that was both of them. I kind of got the impression that um, I think uh, you know it's well known that Sergey was you know he's been he's a he's a decorated war hero, and he's he's probably uh, been involved in a lot of the incursions at Ali's groups. Uh, we're doing so. Sergey didn't know who the hell he was, especially since he's under a pseudonym. It was it was yeah. Ali yeah. who recognized him and felt the obvious discomfort at being around him. Yeah, which I thought was the interesting part. Um, what really struck out at me about this episode the first time watching it was, it's rare to see in an anime a character filled with such absolute rage. Yeah, as Lockon was. Yeah, yeah, and he's just going at it. But the thing is, up until Daryl had to step in. He was actually doing well. He mm-hmm. didn't have his dominant eye, and he was fighting at close combat with beam sabers and managed to cut off one of the the Zwei's arms. Yeah, and he probably would have won if you know, and still lived had Daryl not screwed everything up. Damn. The other thing is, uh, and I mentioned this during our first uh, two failed <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of Double O, is that um, it's nice to see a show have the balls to kill a character especially like before the end of the show and actually really kill them because in comparison to this i use gundam wing as an example and i thought 
it was kind of lame that Gundam Wing made you think for a whole bunch of episodes that Troa was dead just to have him come back with amnesia because Troa's death instituted a change in Catra and snapped him out of that, you know, wing zero insanity that he was in. And then, you know, it's like 10, 15 episodes later, oh, Troa's alive, yay! But I think it would have been interesting in that show had he actually been dead and that they get someone else to carry on and use the heavy arms. So with Double O, we kind of have that idea being tested out where, you know, obviously in season two, you know, his brother carries on the, the lock-on name yeah. I as mean, the same of the group. They kind, they kind of foreshadow that when they, when they, introduce, um, when they introduce Neil um, in that episode, what, episode 10, when they show him. I mean, kind of you had no idea where they were going to go with the twin. But, you know, you kind of, you know, towards, I guess after he died, I, I had the idea that they were going to, you know, swap him out for... Um, his brother in the second season, but a lot of people didn't believe that, and I, I, I don't know how. <laughs> just... oh, I'm told it happened. Yeah, you don't introduce a mysterious identical twin and then not use them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No. It's like that's kind of pointless. <laughs> that's kind of like uh, like Chekhov's rule about the the gun on the mantle. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So moving on, we have episode twenty four. Endless poem, aka lots of crap blows up. Yeah, lots of lots of crap blows up, and lots of people die. Lots of people die, oh <laughs> and a lot of people taking um, lock-ons, uh, death way hard, especially uh, horror. Horror, yeah, all of them, uh, especially <laughs> Setsuna, here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. who has to get uh, bright slapped. <laughs> yeah, and then good old Sumeragi, man. It's about time to see Sumeragi slap somebody. And then we get to see, you know, Satsuna after he, re- you know, reviews the information recorded in Haro about the, the, that battle that, you know, he goes crazy because he recognizes that it's Ali. So then we see Satsuna kind of getting filled with that kind of same rage that, um, um, you know, Lakan had towards the end uh, when he was fighting Ali. And, you know, because we, we finally get to see that uh, Satsuna really looked up to Lakan. Uh, he really respected him, and he was probably the one person in a lot of ways that he was the friendliest too. Because the, isn't this the episode where they kind of have the um, they have the uh, the the flashback of when Satsuna first arrives? Yeah, it was this episode uh, with Celestial being, and, you know, and Lock On his little exchange with Lock On, and then that's where we find out the whole thing about the GN sword. Yeah. So no, no, actually, no, you don't find out about the GN sword. GN sword the later. Episode, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Flashback. That, that, that's their little way of keeping lock on in the whole series. Yeah. In the, the last two episodes, a little bit of flashback. But um, yeah, you're right. He, they do they do introduce Setsuna to the crew in um in this episode, from what I remember. With the Exia in its original rollout colors, I might add. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's, that's true. right. Before it got pimped out. I like the I like the rollout colors though too. But um, it's actually where you do see. Uh, this is where I noticed the change in all of the characters, and it kind of goes, and we see that this is where the the change happened as and into their personalities of the way they are now in the second season, uh, especially like the Setsuna and uh, Tiaria uh, are the ones that really stand out to me. And, um, you know, yeah, this is the episode where um, Tiaria and, uh, and um, I'm sorry, Alleluia both fight their ass off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Alleluia comes to grips with his, uh, actually, is it this episode where he comes to grip with, grips with his duality or is it the next? Next. Next. Okay. Yeah. But um, he's, he's reaching, you know, he's reaching a breaking point there because he's, Pretty much being pushed against the rope by um, Soma and um, Sergey, and this up along with uh, Tiaria, just you know fighting on it, you know fighting on his wave of angst. And then you got Setsuna and um, what's his name? Uh, 
forget his name. The um, Mr. Mr. I survived. Uh, Lasse. Thank you. Lasse. Thank you, Lasse. Mr. Mr. Speedo. That's Mr. right. Speedo. He's not Mr. I survived. <laughs> Lasse Aeon. Oh hell yeah. Um, they both uh, end up teaming up this episode. But um, this is the big unveiling of Alejandro's uh, Mecca too, right? Yes, it is. Yes, the last boss in um, Giga Wing. <laughs> 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 what I kind of like, and, and this episode really points out, is it's sort of like knocking down the arrogance of Celestial Being because yeah. for almost the entire season, you know, they were easily taking down everybody because their technology was so much more advanced. But now that, uh, you know, the UN has the GNX, you see them fighting on a level playing field, and that's evident by stuff like, you know, the Nadley getting trashed, yep. uh, Curios gets trashed, um, you know, episode before, fighting against the throne. Uh, Dynamis got trashed, so it's yeah, just like yeah. finally there's a, a level playing field, and you know the Gundams aren't invincible, and they're really getting the tar beaten out of them. And I was kind of surprised by the death of uh, some of these support characters like Lichty and Christina, Christina. And Dr. Yeah. because it kind of shows that they're not safe either. Because usually, like the bridge types are. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting to see them die. However, their deaths didn't really mean all that much because they weren't really developed that much as characters. They weren't, but they were kind of shocking, though. I mean, still, I mean, the, well, the impact of them. I mean, just, just the way the they reveal Christina. I think it, that's where you get the realism. You know, you always get people say, oh, realism, this this show's real. This show's got all this realism. This is where the, the realism comes in because when you're in a battle like this, and this is yeah. basically the all-out battle, yeah. the end-of-season end battle, and... People are going to die. And, and like Chris said, the, the bridge types are usually a little immune. Well, we see this time that the bridge types aren't immune. That I mean, yeah, not it only just shows do that we. Safe. That's yeah. true. I mean, uh, you, you only got a little bit, you only got a little taste of Dr. Moreno. I mean, towards the end, you know, you got to see him more and more, and then he, and then he up and died. But throughout the, throughout the course of the series, and I know they were third string characters, but Lichty and, and, and Christina. They had little moments here and there where, you know, you could tell that Lichty had something for her, but, you know, he never really, you know, he never really came out with it. And, you know, she, you know, even even then she'd always shoot him down when he did come out with it. And then towards the end, it was just a nice little resolution piece when um he he went and tried to tried his best to save her. And she didn't reveal that she was already, you know, impaled. Yeah. And then when they revealed that, that's like that was like the big thing. I, I, I didn't see that coming. I thought she was actually going to live. And then to see that, it's like, damn. Well, and what? she did have an impact on the show because she was the one who got felt to start coming out of her shell and start, yeah. you know, acting more like a teenage girl. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't always necessarily think of this thing where uh, just because a, a character doesn't have um, mad screen time or mad lines in a show that they're not important to the overall story. Yeah, I think everybody starts getting a little too crazy about this whole character-driven thing that they tend to forget that the story, you know, the story is driven by the characters but yet sometimes the the characters are driven by the story very true and yeah. the the thing is here is okay maybe they maybe you didn't see christina speak or lichty speak every episode and they didn't have you know these big heart to hearts but it showed that as things got bad these are people that you grew to grew to recognize and know throughout the show because they're in the background and we're seeing that uh this whole thing about war yes war is terrible war is evil and it affects everyone just like the whole thing goes down to uh, Saji's sister. I mean, the, the war affected her. You know, let's be honest. Kinue, how much, you know, in, in essence, if you added up all the screen time and lines that she had for a season to, to Christina, uh, they're probably, Christina probably had more. 
You think if so? If you really think about it. Yeah. So Well, all the characters I, I, serve their own purposes in the, yeah. in the long so run. So I, I, I think that that was good, and I I agree with you that um, it was nice to see that. Okay, because we, we, usually it's the pilots. It's the pilots that have to do the brunt of everything, and the support people, yeah, they feel bad because the pilots get killed, but you know this is now as we've seen, screwed up uh, Sumeragi in season two. Oh, yeah. So, you know, not only did she have her issues from before, but, you know, this whole situation here. But, um, yeah, I'd have to say, I mean, um, it, it's funny that we, we were talking about each of these episodes as a separate episode, but in a lot of ways, I think they're just one big continuous, you know, just one big continuous story. You know, that's, that's, that's what's really kind of powerful on it, and each one just keeps building on the, on the next which uh, brings us to the last episode of season one, Setsuna, aka Space, Del- Space Pizza Delivery Man, fifteen minutes or less guaranteed. <laughs> well, I mean, where do you start on this? It's oh the, the it's, big Dukeroo, man. Yeah, it's, it's finally here. It's the <laughs> it's the <old> boss. <laughs> yep, it's the mecha anime staple, and like you said, it does. <laughs> Alejandro, the uh, the Alvaron, the Alvator is basically uh, like a gigawing thing because oh, it's like, Jesus. man, you, you get this piece destroyed and whoop, I'll just become a mobile suit. <laughs> get ready to plunk some quarters, Setsuna. It's going to be a long fight. Um, you know, we have that fight and then uh, here comes, uh, it's it's like that, um, it's like in, what is it, uh, CVS2 where you if you get enough group points, you get to do fight one of the special bosses at the oh, end. Yeah, here it's, comes a new challenger with yeah. um, with Graham. Yeah. It's like, the, man, uh, the man that's been missing for like four eps. Gr- you see him like warming the bench. It's like Graham Aker shows up, a.k.a. Shin Akuma. And, uh, what they should have did every episode is just see it, show him sitting on the bench like tapping his foot. <laughs> impatiently waiting for his meant to get fixed and then yeah. like in this episode just see him come out of nowhere it's like awesome but they they kind of left that out they didn't have time to really put that in but um but man this is uh and then we just see like we've like we we're stating that you know most of these characters have changed throughout you know especially these last couple episodes they've changed we see the changes in them well this is where we see the beginning of the change for uh graham becoming you know in, in season two because he is just wacky. The, Wait, that, you mean Mr. Bushido? Mr. Bushido. Not Bushido-san, but Mr. Bushido. Damn, man. He's like he's like the male version of Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction, dude. Wow, <laughs> oh, that's really creepy. <laughs> I'm he just was, saying. He, that, that whole exchange, though, between the two of them was a little weird. I mean, yeah. that It whole... goes to show the depths of obsession that the Gundam has had over, over Graham the entire season that he yeah. started off as a rational guy yeah but he's become more obsessed and obsessed with the gunham over time and it starts to just get even more crazy mm-hmm. when stuff happens like the death of howard mason oh god <laughs> i will say this after watching the first episode again on sci-fi just the other day you can see he was he was really fascinated with the gunham i mean now i'm watching those episodes now with a different set of eyes and you know you notice you notice things that you didn't notice before when watching it but yeah graham was was completely enraptured with the gunham when it first showed up at at the test site, well, he's a gearhead. What's I mean, that? he's a gearhead. He yeah. he he likes he likes um you know he he likes mobile suits. He's he and when he saw uh, a mobile suit that was just uh you know heads heads above anything that he had ever seen, it was a challenge. He just, he just fell in love with that idea, and you know he did get obsessed with it. And yeah, it was. Uh, he's got definitely. his principles though. He he probably never pilot one if they made one for him. 
<laughs> a, a Gundam, I'm saying, he'd have to defeat whatever was the best one out there. But I mean, it's this dragon to slay. Well, and, and that's more that's more evident in this last episode than anything. He actually, is- he actually, kind of brings, and I hate to say this because it, it brings all the comparisons between him and Char. Yeah. But when Char said, "I'll show you what the pilot can do," it's not the mobile suit. This is basic. That's basically been kind of Graham's whole thing. The that's, fact that he wanted, he didn't want a GNX, but he wanted the GN reactor on a on the uh, flag. Well, that's a huge difference between Graham and Shar. Graham is obsessed with defeating the Gundam. Shar had a Shar had a vendetta against Amaro himself. Well, no, and that that was that you're was not, the, you're not understanding my point. Well, my I'm just my saying. point is is that um, Graham was trying to show that no matter how great the Gundam was, right. The pilot could not match him on skills, yeah. which was pretty evident. I mean, as as good as the pilot as Satsuna became towards the end of the show, still wasn't enough. He still, they still kind of came to a draw or you know that conclusion because of the Gundam. I mean, if they were in equal suits, I honestly think Graham would have took care of him, no it, problem. I believe that too. I honestly do, but. I just I brought I brought up the whole Char Graham thing because people like to compare both of them all the time. You know, like you know, Graham's a cheap imitation to Char. The Mr. Bushido part. Yeah, even even before. I mean, yeah. even even though they do have some striking similarities, their character, the quality of character is completely different. And um, where they where they're coming why, from is completely that's why I different. Said that where it was just he's just bringing up that idea and because that was the whole thing with Char. I mean, you know, at the beginning. You know, Char was a better pilot, but then... Plus, another thing is, uh, in every other Gundam show that's always had a masked man, they always start the shows as yeah. masked men. They never become a masked, masked man. men halfway through the show like, like Graham has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a distinct difference. But um, one of the things I like, some of the small details, you know, just to point out how much of a, a feat pansy Alejandro is, <laughs> his freaking mobile armor, like when he gets called by ribbons, has oh. like little like fancy gold flourishes on the video screen to like frame the video it just it's just those amazing little details that just show how arrogant and pompous and self-important this guy thinks he is man was dr evil man and And he got exactly what he deserved with that sudden betrayal at the end by ribbons yeah that that was probably i mean besides the um the fight with graham and the whole thing with soma and you know soma saving sergey and you know finally showing that you know the reason why she did it was because you know she's basically he he's the first person that's ever shown her any type of care or understanding and you know she lost him then everything would be lost but that was the other thing that betrayal with the ribbons to alejandro i mean i don't i can't really remember the exact words that were said but man it was just like oh i just sat there i'm like oh and (laughs) but you know and as as creepy as ribbons is and you know as evil as he's you know kind of looked uh you're like bam you know right on right on another thing a lot of people complained that the the fight with graham seemed very tacked on and i would say to them uh what are you talking about it was shown a few episodes ago that Billy was attaching yeah. the uh, GN drive to the flag. You knew that he was going to be coming, but exactly. he wasn't going to be joining the GNXs right away. Do you have to show every step of the way? Like, okay, GN drives attached. Okay, I'm getting ready to launch into space. Okay, I'm going to avenge Howard Mason. Okay, I'm in space now. Is all of that necessary? You no. knew that Graham was going to be joining in the final battle, but just later than everybody else. It and worked. that's exactly how it was supposed to work out, and yeah. that's how it did. So 
I really don't even see that as a valid complaint because you knew it was going to happen just because they didn't hold your hand and show you every <laughs> single step, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, doesn't mean that it was some tacked on thing out of nowhere. It worked better as um, as him because it was coming out of the blue. You knew it was going to happen. It was just, you know, the question of when. I, I kind of thought he was going to show up, like, during the fight with Alejandro, but it was cool that he didn't. It was cool that he showed up right as he took him out, and um, so Sitsuna wouldn't have a moment to breathe. But um, that that was that was cool. And also, um, I, we, I don't think anyone brought up um, uh, Alleluia's uh, – I, I, I mentioned it um, previously, but Alleluia's uh, – duality finally just you know becoming one and then the death of hallelujah um his whole little experience there and then um apparent death of hallelujah true and also um the little twist where he recognizes soma as a, a girl named marie yeah. that he used to know um he had some kind of connection to back in the day of course we don't really have all the details on that at this point but you know it was a nice little twist to show that the reason behind their connection was that they have some kind of history together that was interesting. And what about Thierry? I'm, I, I, I kind of forget what happened to him this episode. He wasn't really in this episode. No. Only at the, uh, the very end to eject his uh, GN. Drug. GN. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting at the end was I was kind of surprised that they already went and showed like little bits of the uh, the time skip. Yeah. Because it really just sort of wraps up everything from season one, but also already sets some things in motion for season two and sort of what everyone's appetites for for six months, you know, seeing the formation of the Federation and seeing uh, ribbons and the innovators and, you know, seeing, um, you know, new Gundams in development and the double O and, you know, uh, pizza delivery man Saji and seeing how everything's already changed. So it's sort of like already closing the door on that first chapter and already jumping into the second. You know, the, the one thing I have liked about this show, uh, especially in the first season, is, you know, I guess normally the the, the normal way would be doing it would, you know, you would fight Alejandro maybe the, the, the second to last episode, and then, you know, Graham would be final boss for the, the whole last episode. But the one thing I liked about when they showed about the combat with the mobile suits is that even though, even when the Gundams themselves, even, even as advanced as they are, they're not indestructible. And that if you do get even the slightest bit of damage on it, it is going to screw up the, um, you know, it's going to screw up your mobile suit. And, you know, the, the, in reality, are these type of battles going to be all drawn out? Um, no, they're probably going to be pretty quick, um, you know, especially cutting a Gundam in half or getting its head cut off or a mobile suit losing its head or an arm or, um, you know, some type of limb. It is going to make a big difference and the, you know, they're either going to have to bug out or they might get destroyed. So I, I, I see where people would have a problem with that, but it is kind of breaking the convention of, you know, okay, Grand Maker, final boss, you know, <laughs> episode 25, he will fight of the 22 minutes, they will fight for 16 of them. You know, and, and, and go through everything. But instead it was quite streamlined and quick. Which I think would make sense. I mean, yeah. um, I, I don't see how mobile suits could go on prolonged battles like that, especially cutting off limbs and weaponry and all that other stuff. So that's true. I mean, it, something is going to happen. It was nice to see that the um, that the the seven the seven swords that Satuna carries actually, you know, you finally found out what their true use is in this episode too. Yeah. Because I mean, earlier on in the series, they every time he tried to use them, they'd always get you know kicked back by someone like you know Graham. You know, you know, when they came to Graham, he'd always have to use a beam saber. But towards the end, you finally found out what the true use of those seven swords were to cut through, the, you know, any kind of energy field or whatnot. Yeah. You know, a little a little final gift from from lock on our friend. I mean, I thought they were for like making like giant sushi with like the, the giant tunas from Macross. That would be <laughs> awesome. That'd be the best intervention ever. But 
I think I think the best the best part of this episode and probably the best part of this first season is as I think we've we've all stated this before is we actually get to see in a Gundam show how the Federation was formed. Yeah. All previous incarnations, the Federations have been in place for quite a quite a quite a long time, and now we get to see how we actually got to this point. What brought humanity to the fact of wanting to join together as one, and you know, and you know, and now try to push to go to the stars, and that's what we get here because. Um, you know, celestial being, they achieve their goal by uni- uniting humanity. Is it the way they wanted it united? Who? Well, no, that remains to be seen. But um, you know, it was nice to see that. It was nice to see that the you know, um, and even though it was pretty quick, the the you kind of knew what was going on. So when you did go to uh, season two here, you understand that you know it's a large consortium of um, nations. The first thing they did was they gave up all the military power and put it all into the Federation military. And the Federation military does this, and you know we do see all the you know a lot of the players are still there. Wang Lu Mei is still there. We get to see Nina now with Wang Lu Mei. Oh yeah, um, we get to see Saji Crossroad, man. Yeah, we get delivering to see pizza. Saji Crossroad. <laughs> <laughs> Saji ended up doing what he wanted to do. Hey, he man. was delivering something out in space. Oh yeah, he sure delivering was. parts. Well, that's, why, that's his, why he went to college. <laughs> well, he was driving a thing that had parts in it to build the space station. <laughs> you know, he he, he so got he got to rock his talent. Built the first branded Pizza Hut in space. Yes. Sweet, I can get the fantastic in zero gravity. It's nice, and it did. <laughs> And some questions were answered on who survived too, because we, you know, we got cameos of um, Patrick. Uh, Patrick. Patrick. We got cameos of Ali, Tiara. Pretty much the only ones that we didn't get were Setsuna. Yeah, we no, didn't so, know well, what happened to Setsuna. We, we the pi- all the pilots, we didn't know what their outcomes were because we saw we saw Regine Regetta, mm-hmm. but we didn't see Tiara. And you know, th- there was a lot of confusion there, of course. And then um, we even got to see Louise with him, and you know, with 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 hair cut hair. We don't even know what her deal was at that point. And it's it's, it's just that. I love the fact that they, they left the fate of the pilots obscure. They left it completely yeah. obscure. And I love the, the little letter that he sends to um, Marina at the end because it made a nice monologue towards the end. It, it kind of starts up with Saji's little um, letter to Louise and it transitions to um, Setsuna's. Setsuna's letter to Marina, which is even more, you know, even more um, impact. Well, actually, you're backwards because oh. she's reading the letter in oh. the present. Yeah, right. Four years later. Yeah, very true. Because remember, it ends with he starts talking, and you see the Exia just like orbiting Earth, all battle damaged. That's yeah. right. And then it jumps four years. So and then, Illum- so bro. In yeah, a form so bro. All right, man. I took the title. Sweet. <laughs> I think you'll be happy now for the next episode. So, uh, any other thoughts so we can wrap this up before next episode we jump into season two? You know, it, it, it surpassed the convention and kind of your expectations. And, you know, I've, I've said this before that if for whatever reason this was the end of the show at episode 25, I really wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, I think, you know, of course, you always want to know what's going on later on. But mm-hmm. if for whatever reason they said, oh, you know, we were just going to do this and we were just going to show that, I, I think it would stand up uh, pretty well as a Gundam show, um, you know, just, just the first season. So, but, you know, fortunately, we get another season. So, thank goodness. This is, to me, this is the um, the Batman Begins in the Casino Royale of Gundam. 
<laughs> it's a nice reintroduction to the whole mythos of Gundam, and you also like you, like you guys said, you, we get to see the origins of so many things that we come to take for granted in other Gundam series. I I just have a little a little bit of advice to those who are watching it on Sci-Fi. If you've read it, listen to our reviews throughout the, um, the course of Gundam, and now you're watching the show for yourself in English, especially um, you guys at IGN who I've been reading the reviews. Um, it does have a slow beginning. Hang in there. The show is great. It's one of the best Gundam series to come along in a long time, and season two is even better. And if you continue watching it, it will pay off, and you will you will look at this series completely differently by the time it's over. Hopefully, at least by the time the series season one's over, you'll either like it or you'll hate it. <laughs> you just, I guess so. You, you decide. <laughs> so that wraps up our uh, <coughs> of, uh, end of season one of Double uh, O. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. <laughs> I'm in the goddamn PTA! Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or a bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. <gasps> oh! 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 Damn you, Roger! Damn it! Damn you! All right, everybody, uh, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ, and it is now time for another ground- Gundam Roundup, and this is going to be segment 12, uh, and uh, we're going back to the alternative centuries, uh, with this installment being uh, probably one of the second highly anticipated uh, Gundam Roundups outside of the Gundam Wing, I would imagine, would be uh, After War Gundam X. Yeah. Um, Gundam X. Uh, the best way that I equate this is uh, anyone out there that's ever like read comics. Uh, Marvel Marvel has this line that they used to have, and I think it's come back again. It's kind of like the what if. It's called. It was the uh, it was the what if comics, and they would take they would take situations like uh, what if uh, Gwen Stacy didn't die, you know, and, and then they would kind of go from there, and they do little one shot stories about it. Well, I kind of equate Gundam X as being the what if of uh, Universal Century. Because basically the way, the way, pretty much the way to uh, explain the show from the beginning is, of course, there's a war between an Earth Federation and a, and a, um, and, a colon- and the colonies up in space. And we all know that there was a colony drop in the Universal Century. And that after that colony drop that, uh, you know, the parties had agreed to not do that again. Well, Gundam X takes it to an extreme is, well, what if not just one colony was dropped? But uh, multiple colonies were dropped on the Earth as kind of a final uh, last-ditch effort to win the um, to win the war between the colonies and the Federation. And uh, we see that um, basically the Earth is devastated, and we start off about 15 years later. Hence the after-war, because in this calendar it's the after-war calendar, because it was the, one of the last great um, space wars that they had. And we're introduced to basically a Mad Max kind of uh, Earth, where everything's bis- 
uh, been destroyed and civilization slowly starting to creep back up and we're introduced to some characters um, one be uh, one being pretty much the main character a Garud round uh, who's a 15 year old kid that steals mobile suits uh, we're also introduced the uh, the second main character which would be uh, Tifa deal and she's kind of a new type girl who actually she's a little different than most new types she has kind of like uh, precognizance she kind of can see in the future more than like sense other things which she can still sense things but um, it's just a little bit different take that we have and the whole thing on here is why she's so important is that uh, new types basically all the new types that were battling for the federation and for the colonies uh, seem like they either were killed or their powers burnt out um, you know after the war so um, you know, initially Garud is uh, contracted after stealing a mobile suit by this kind of creepy guy with glasses. Kind of reminds me of the guy from um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, um, that uh, that German guy that had the the the, um, the thing imprinted in his hand um, to to save uh, Tifa Deal from bandits, which are called vultures. And then we're introduced to some of the other characters, uh, mainly one of the baddest captains that we've actually talked about before, uh, Jamil Neat and his crew, The Freedom. And what's kind of interesting about this show is it takes kind of a different tone than from the other Gundam series is there's not really an overall um, point that they're trying to get to at the end of this show. Uh, we're kind of introduced to the way things are and the different story arcs, and everything's kind of divided up in the story arcs. So we're not going to go too much into the overall plot there. Um, we see that eventually things do get rolling uh, with, um, you know, there's some powers to be uh, trying to reinstate the new federation. And we also find out that the colonies are still around and, um, you know, there, there's some issues there. Uh, of course, like anything, we do have Gundams in this and mobile suits. And the title Gundam, which is the Gundam X, is basically, you know, your, your standard kind of RX-78 uh, look-alike there, but has a, this uh, devastating cannon called the satellite cannon, which oh, basically man. takes solar energy from a station in the moon and can powers up the Gundam, and it can basically level a, uh, a colony because it was one of the last-ditch efforts to save the Earth from being having the colonies dropped on it. There are also three, uh, two other Gundams in there uh, with uh, the Air Master and, and the Leopard. Air Master is kind of a transforming flight model, and the Leopard being more of a ground, kind of like a heavy arms with all the weaponry on it. Uh, later on, we're introduced to some other Gundams when we're introduced to uh, kind of the, the main bad guys at the end, along with uh, the New Federation being the Frost Brothers. And um, the only downside is, is for whatever reason, the show... Um, it was supposed to go for a, a full slate, but it only lasted about 39 episodes. And there's a lot of theories on that, but um, the Straight Talk Express is not going to be making a, an appearance during this segment, but we have something new called the Fact Check Express, and uh, Chris is actually pulling in the station with that. Uh, why don't you kind of fill us in uh, some of the fact checks there, Chris, before we go into our impressions about uh, Gundam X. Yeah, the uh, <clears throat> Straight Talk Express... Was loaned out to John McCain because he went to go campaign in Georgia for the Senate runoff. Oh, okay. <laughs> so instead, we have the uh, the Fact Check Express, and one of the most persistent uh, misconceptions that people have about X, which of course uh, has the rather dubious distinction of being only the second Gundam show to ever be canceled, mm -hmm. is that its cancellation was due to it competing with Evangelion, which is just inherently false because Evangelion's competition was Gundam Wing. 
and in fact, Evangelion ended before Gundam Wing. I mean, uh, Evangelion ended before Gundam X even started. So you know, I don't get where people keep making this mistake when it's something that can be so easily verified. Well, is it because Evangelion is the greatest anime ever known to man? <laughs> so saith Gainax and ADV Films. <laughs> <laughs> not I. No, not uh, I either. Yeah, so that's that's one one of the like persistent things that just keeps coming up. It's like, come on, you can look this up on ANN Encyclopedia or on Wikipedia. This isn't too too hard to check. So that's that's one thing from the Fat Check Express. Uh, the other thing with the Fat Check Express is the fact that you know the show got moved to a from a Friday time slot to a Friday afternoon time slot to very early Sunday morning, and that's oh. where it, a lot of people claim that it got moved to that time slot because it had bad ratings, whereas if you go back into the archives of our dear departed friends at Ganoda, where they meticulously um, researched and gathered the ratings for every Gundam series, you see that while the ratings for X were a little bit lower than, um, than Wing, they were in line with everything that was airing in the 90s, and the ratings didn't drop off until it was moved to its new time slot. And in fact, if you go by the... Because it was moved after the 26th episode, I believe. If you go by those first 26 episodes as your counter and the rest of the show had those same ratings and was never moved, in fact, the lowest-rated Gundam series of the 90s by far would have been Turn A Gundam and not Gundam X. Wow. Uh, Including... Um, and, what it, and when you factor in the Gunpla sold, do you think that um, X sold more than um, Turn A? Because uh, Turn A is pretty reviled at... Um, not having the the prettiest mechs or having the the most mechs sold, you know, when it comes to gunpla. But I, I figured that X would have done well. Well, I'll put it to you this way: uh, the entire line of of Turn A Gundam model kits is like like eight things. Wow. Yeah. Where by comparison, Endless Walt is like fifteen. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's between both styles, between one hundred and one forty four. So Jeez. when a three episode OAV has more model kits than a 50 episode TV show. What does that say? Yeah, that's that that, that, that raises a very good point. I, another another discussion that um Neo of I, Neo and I have had in the past is the as the fact that after two other series of Gundam running back to back, you think that Japan was experiencing Gundam fatigue? That was one of the theories. Yeah, three actually because you had straight in a row. You had Victory, then G, yes. and then. And then X. That's right. So probably there was some fatigue. Um, but then again, I mean, you had like eight brave shows run back to back for eight years. Yeah, so that's true. I don't know how much of a fatigue the thing is. Um, what we don't really know that might be a factor is the the sales of the the X model kits, which um, yeah, admittedly some kind of were wingish. You know, the 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 Versigo being sort of like an Epion looking thing, and the yeah. uh, the Leopard being kind of like a heavy arms looking thing. But it'd be a shame if the model kits sales were the reason that uh, the show failed because the like the no grade 144 X kits were so much higher quality than the wing ones. Yeah. The wing kits were just terrible wastes of plastic. Wow. Yeah, they were. Was that was that was that Bandai's transition into into much more detailed kits or was it just the people who were behind the design of these kits were different from the those who were behind the design design of the um, wing kits? I don't know. I think it's just it's hard to say because it's only a span of one year, but you know, these no-grade kits that they had on the 144 scale on X were just, I mean, they were perfect, but they were a lot better than the wing ones where you'd put them together and, like, freaking, like, seam lines wouldn't even match up and you'd have, like, Jeez. you know, open gaps between parts and limited mobility and, you know, yeah. it's just really bad. And then, you know, the X kits, the ones that I built, I built X, X Divider, and Double X, very nice quality for their time. 
Yeah, I know what you're talking about because I had a friend that had um, that was doing the heavy arms, um, and that thing just didn't look right once it got put together uh, at that point. But yeah, I mean, I when it came to wing, uh, I built wing, which was it was an all right kit. There's nothing wrong with it. But then I built uh, tall geese and mercurius, and they were just atrocious. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually seen the uh, I've actually seen the mercurius, and uh, yeah, it was not fun. Hard kit, but anyway. Uh, you know, back to the Fact Check Express. So, you know, no, the show wasn't canceled because it had bad ratings. It got canceled for whatever reason, and, you know, the bad ratings resulted from its move from its original time slot. It wasn't that it had bad ratings and then got moved. So that's another misconception that people have. Mm-hmm. And um, on sort of a side note, I'm sure there's been endless uh, speculation and discussion of, you know, what would have happened if the show had it gone an extra 10 episodes? And rather famously, we know with um, with uh, the original series that there's an outline of what the original episodes would have covered right. had you know the show gone on. And uh, years ago, I actually did bring up this subject with uh, Mark Simmons, and he said and this is the definitive answer so far is that if such a thing ever was written, it's never been publicly released. Yeah. So we yeah. have no idea what uh, what would have uh, happened. The only thing that we do have is a scan that's floating around on the internet of a mechanical design. I I think it's by Junya Ishigaki of uh, Mobile Suit called the Esperanza 2, a.k.a. Enel's Gundam. Yeah, really? I've seen that. Yeah, which supposedly would have been her upgrade unit at the end of the series instead of the custom Genus that she has. Oh, that sucks. And I like that. And Enel it's kind, too, of, so. kind of a Gundam-ish looking thing, but not exactly. And it's a mobile suit, whereas the original Esperanza was a mobile armor, but right. that's all we have. So I think that's it for the, uh, the Fact Check Express. Well, Chris, uh, why don't you uh, why don't you just continue with some of your thoughts on um, uh, Gundam X? We'll just keep it with you real quick. Well, it was um, you know among the the first of the uh, Gundam shows that I saw when I started really diving headlong into the franchise in around the year 2000, and uh, it just instantly jumped at me because it was so different from everything else. Where you had this show that sort of was like an homage to the Universal Century in many ways, but made a point of striking out striking out and making its own identity. Oh yeah. And just living off of being like a sort of universal century. Yeah, you know, I like the fact that you had this scavenger group and you had all these different characters, each with, you know, all of their quirks and with their own problems mm-hmm. kind of working together and dealing with this threat of, you know, other pirates, uh, the rise of the new federation. One of the things I've noticed people complain about the most about this series is they say it has sort of like a meandering storyline and yada yada, but if you look at it, it's not constructed like a standard show because yeah. most of the show is not one of these things of, you know, group A versus, you know, evil group B because there is no such thing as evil group B because evil group B got destroyed. Exactly. So. And you have all of these like miniature story arcs that when all put together tell, you know, a connected story and tie into some of these threads later on, like, you know, the, you know, the return of the Federation and the resumption of the war with the Space Revolutionary Forces. And then for some people who credit Gundam Seed with, you know, having a faction fighting against two other factions, I guess they forgot that Gundam X did this first because you had the crew of the Freedom on its own fighting both the New Federation and the Space Revolutionaries. Yeah. That's very true. On top of that, um, this series, um, isn't this the first Gundam series, um, or TV series, I should say, that was completely written by one one man? Hiroyuki um, Kawasaki? 
or at least mapped out at least by by one one particular writer as opposed to having like a whole group of writers or even crediting um Hajime Yatate although he's always get, that that entity always gets credit um I always remember reading that um uh, Kawasaki you know it was his it was pretty much the main storyline he wrote and fleshed out throughout the course of the show I don't think there's any other Gundam shows where one writer wrote every single episode yeah so that 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 probably would be an achievement for this show yeah I mean, granted, it did end prematurely, but I mean, it at least has that. And you can see the story does benefit from that because you have those miniature arcs, which are, you know, self-contained, which is the beauty of the, sh- which is the, beauty of the show. It kind of seems like a travelogue throughout the whole run of the show. You know, you have these adventures that they go on, but, you know, overall, there is an overlining over, over, and, and you know, just an, uh, a, a storyline that just becomes filled in as the series goes along until you finally reach its climax. I mean, heck, you're not even introduced to Jamil's um, uh, rival until like the, the the third arc of the show. <laughs> His old rival from back in the day um, until the end of the show. And you usually see a character like that, you know, throughout the run of its series. And yeah. um, anyway, and I think Lancero ended up being one of the, the losers in this series and oh, yeah. that. Had it lasted longer, he probably would have gotten a lot more development because he yeah. was an interesting character, but he just didn't have that much of a spotlight given that he shows up only in like the last nine or ten episodes of the show versus 20 or so had the show gone on. And uh, that's one of the things I think is interesting, wondering what sort of things we would have seen had the show lasted. Uh, for example, the 1100 kit of the Double X has a whole bunch of weapons that were never used in the show, yep. stuff like Gundam Hammers. Oh, awesome. Which you probably have seen. Uh, if we also, you guys recall, there was a big deal made out of how the G Falcon could combine with all of the Gundams yep. and work with them. But in the show, it never really did anything other than with the Double X. So I think we would have seen it, you know, combine with other stuff. Probably would have also seen that eighth Space War last longer and have some more battles. So, you know, yeah, it did get canceled, but it's not like it got canceled in the middle of things like, say, uh, Ideon, where. You know, it just ended and they had to have the movie come back or like SBT Lasner where it pretty much just stops and then they had to have an OAV finish it. But even that didn't finish it. So it still manages to reach, you know, a satisfying conclusion, but just a little bit faster than they would have liked. But that's my two cents on the whole cancellation issue, which obviously is, you know, inherently has to be discussed when you're talking about this show. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of its significant um, and 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 sadly, it's um, tragic uh, facts behind the show. I, I one of the things I loved about this series is you know I'm a character person and the characters in this show were outstanding. Um, I like the fact that they brought the focus back to three pilots instead of the the five that Gunna Wing you know kind of established. But and also not actually not even Gunna Wing Four. it was um G Gundam G Gundam yeah. established the five pilots Wing carried it along and then you brought it back to five Gundams but it, they were separated where you had the three pilots. It's like in Mobile Suit Gundam, you had Kai, um, you had um, Hayato, and you had Amaro. In this show, you had Garad, you had um, Wits and Roby. Wits and Roby, yeah. And um, you got you got a little insight on each character, like Roby. Um, uh, the episode I like a lot is the one where Wits and Roby go their separate ways. And it, mm-hmm. it's, it's only one particular mm-hmm. episode, but you get to see a little insight on them, how Wits has a family who he's just trying to make sure that they're well taken care of. Um, well, he's and, doing it. He's being a vulture for the money. Yeah, he's being a vulture pretty much for the money. But at the same time, he's, he's, he's seeing to it that they are, you know, they're the beneficiaries of that. They don't even know what he does, right, in that episode? He they goes, find he show, out. They find out, right? Yeah. 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 And they're not too pleased about it because um wasn't his father. A, um, his father got killed by a mobile suit or something. Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, he wasn't. Um, he lost a sibling to um, a disease that we never really get an insight about. Disease. 
yeah, colony disease, where if you leave a colony, you come to Earth, that sometimes not everybody transitions very well. And just being exposed to Earth's environment can, you know, can kill you. I don't know. They've never gone into much detail yeah, about that. They didn't really say they really what it didn't was. Say it. I don't think you should be. Well then, I love <laughs> well that was that was I, I, my that I, was my impression. Of I, it. I'm I, sorry. It almost sounded the, the only way they, they they even talked about it. I think it almost sounded like something may it might have been even just something biological released. Right. But they don't really go into it. Yeah. It just sounds the cool. I always got was that if you have a hundred colonies crashing into Earth and pretty much creating a nuclear winter and destroying yeah. everything and the world basically ceases to exist. Yeah. You're just going to have massive disease yeah. and famine and everything. And since it was caused by the crash of the colonies, you'd call it colony disease. Yeah, yeah true. Then, then, then that, 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 that probably is the explanation. And I'm Ill-informed just, soul bro again. Hey, that, that's folks. what I do. <laughs> Respond to him, not me or Chris. Uh, that one. <laughs> and then you got um, the, the captain of um, alternate universe captains, man. Baddest captain than in any alternate universe series that I've seen so far. I mean the, I mean the cousin of uh, the Desert Tiger. That's right. Because <laughs> the, the one thing I, I will have to say about this show is it's funny because it, um, the art styling is pretty much similar to Gundam Wing because uh, actually to me Garud actually looks like he could be related to uh, Duel Maxwell. He, re- he always kind of reminded me of Duel a little bit just his look not his mannerisms or anything like that and uh, we see that you know the you know old andy waldfeld he uh he had his his, his spiritual predecessor was uh jameel neat well duo and and garrett both kind of have sunny dispositions which is why it's kind of amusing that um yeah which uh, tokita his his adaptations of the the various shows his one of his four comas was one where duo was um he was so depressed being around all these depressing guys like Hero and <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, Troa, like Troa yeah. and uh, Wu Fei, and then uh, he decided that he'd fit better in another universe, and he was thinking he was hanging out with like like Garrod, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were just being all happy. So yeah, because because uh, what's the one thing that strikes you about Garrod is. Um, I mean, this is a depressing time. Um, you know, they show the Earth. The Earth has got these huge potholes in the co- in the continents where these colonies went in, and two-headed snakes. Two-headed snakes. And I mean, there's just there's just death and destruction all over the place. And there's, uh, I mean, I think the I think the population went from about nine or ten billion to like less than a billion for the for the world, uh, you know, worldwide. And you know, later on in the show, Garrett talks a, a little bit about when he was younger and some of the hardships that he had to endure, but the thing about him is, is for being in such really a, just a, a terrible, terrible time, he is a very, very upbeat guy. And that is one of the big things that gets the connection between him and Tifa. Because, um, you know, one of the other things that I liked about this show um, outside of, you know, some of the characters is the interaction with the characters. And, um, you know, with Tifa and Garud, um, you know, they were, uh, you know, she was attracted by his optimism and his, you know, his sunny disposition position and you know outside of like um you know outside of like a, a rain and a, and a domo and i think in a lot of ways they were a, a, this probably the second best little love connection there i'd have to agree because um you know they they you know they 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 really become part you know they're separate people but they kind of become one throughout the show and you see the growth of tifa because she's she's a very shy very kind of demure very you know tiny girl and who's just being kind of used by everybody and always being kidnapped uh, by someone and um 
you know, so you know, that, that was nice to see. Um, the other characters, I mean, even the Frost Brothers, mm-hmm. as as despicable as they were, I never hated them. Um, you you kind of got where the, they were coming from. One of the one of the things I liked about this show is that none of the characters you hate. Um, I mean, even even the uh, what, what was the uh, what was the ball guy from uh, the New Federation? God, what was his name? Uh, yeah, I mean, even as he was, I mean, he he didn't were like, oh God, I hate this guy. Speaking of the Frost Brothers, remember the episode where <laughs> they were they were tr- that 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 new type that they had under their wing. Yeah. The, the guy that was um in the federation that was an actual you know he was he was all full of himself because he he thought he was a new type or he right. was and then they waste him at the end yeah. <laughs> because you finally see where they're coming from that they were like b- considered to the federation below new types so they were kind of you know they were worthless to them so they went ahead and and and, and took that you know they were shunned by pretty much the the the, the group they were with right and, and they I, rebelled against them in their own quiet way, and it was it, it was it was interesting to see them work because they were pretty much on their own side, even though they were affiliated with certain groups. They pretty much looked out for themselves because you know you know they couldn't trust anyone, and they were just inter- interesting characters to see. I, I, I like the Frost Brothers, even though they're magnificent bastards. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're I don't know if I don't know if I'd put them in that thing. It's a great commentary on the whole issue of new types, which yep. is this is the only non-universal century show to feature new types, and it has a very unique way of looking at them because you've got these two. Different sides obsessed with um, new types. The Federation being, you know, a side that thinks that there's something to be feared and exploited as weapons. Mm-hmm. And then you got, you know, the Space Revolutionary Army, which, you know, is in awe of them and practically worships them as gods, yet also uses them as weapons. Yeah. yeah. So and even though they both come from different from different perspectives, they it's still, you know, admittedly non-new types who want to use new types for their own personal gain, as evidenced by Zeta Rosso, you know, the yeah. leader of the revolutionaries. He has Lancefro posing as a new type, even though he lost his abilities 15 years ago. Right, which is another. Has popped up as like a like the hero of the space people. Even though he's no such thing as a sword, doesn't view himself like that. Not at all. And that's and that's where you have the whole thing, the whole underlying aspect of uh, Jamil, because uh, you know at first we're kind of. In the beginning of the story, you, you kind of think of Jamil. They kind of position Jamil as kind of like the bad guy. Uh, but then, you know, a couple episodes in, you find out why, you know, why he kidnapped Tifa was not for, you know, his own game, but being a former new type himself no and being him. used and abused by the Federation. He's trying to, um, you know, he's trying to save her the same trouble and, you know, the same heartbreak and everything like that. And um, that, that's the other that's the other great aspect of the show is even even as much as new types are uh, talked about in the Universal Century shows, this is the first time that we really they kind of established what they are. I mean, basically, they made them as out to be just mutant um, mutant humans. Um, and that was just kind of an ability that, you know, just mutated for whatever reason, uh, evolutionary or what. So, um, you know, it, it w- and it was actually kind of interesting, too, to see how uh, the different uh, people would have these different powers like the frost brothers had the ability to speak with each other telepathically but yet they were not considered new types but see there was all these different kind of traits that were starting to go within humans and you know like chris is saying both of these sides the federation and the revolutionary army are trying to you know find these people to either uses weapons or to you know to use as symbols of uh symbols of freedom and, and symbols of um you know positive future so um I mean, it's it's it. The show's got a lot of great things in it. Um, I like the music in it. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of um, 
a lot of great music, especially that battle music. Like the uh, there was like one one uh, one song that seemed like it was like the uh, Jamil Neat when he gets in back into the G- GX, the battle music. And I mean, so it, I mean, it, it's, it, got it, the, it's got the it's got the one of my favorite soundtracks. Yeah. yeah, it's got the best eye catch music of any Gundam series too. Yeah, oh, although the worst eye catches. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> the lowest budget eye catches and, I've ever seen. And the other, <laughs> the other great thing about the the other interesting thing that they would do with the show is at the um, end of you know you always have a, a a preview of the upcoming episode. Yeah. Well, the the preview would end with a phrase, and usually that phrase was a a, a line that was spoken within the show. Which would end up being the title of the that next upcoming episode. episode, which was always very interesting. But that that ending song was a little weird, especially that um, uh, the second version of it. <laughs> On top of that, got the, real crazy. The show had a real unique direction overall. I mean, you had the it was the first Gundam show I can recall where the opening before every um, the before every um, you know the op sequence of the series, you get a little bit of a taste of what was going to happen in the episode. You know, a little, a little, I forget what they call it in, in the industry, but you get a little um, teaser, teaser right at, before you get the opening theme. And I love the fact that every every episode started out with the um, super title of Gundam X, you know, just written out, and then it would just fade from the card into the teaser, and then you get the opening for the episode. And then the credits always showed, um, you know, clips from the preview. Didn't the credits of the episode show the preview for the next episode? With yeah, them. that's what I just said. Yeah, yeah. That's, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's a good show. You should listen to it. So, oh, oh, well, awesome. One thing I liked is that um, well, G Gundam did this too. But if you notice, the opening sequence on the Max changes a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, even though there's the you know the two different songs, the first one they edited it a good three times because first you have uh, you know just like the spotlight of the GX, and then they changed it a bit to include the divider once that got introduced, and then they changed it again to show the double X in shadows. Yeah. Yeah. They got close to introducing the double. And then they went and introduced the second opening sequence. But uh, going back to the issue of the new types for a second, one thing I enjoy about this show is, you know, the, the end commentary on new types that, you know, they're nothing special. They're just mutated humans that people obsess over. Yeah. Even though Universal Century doesn't say that outright, they kind of came to the same conclusion because, uh, you know, the original Gundam kind of optimistically presents new types as like, you know, a shining light for the future that can move humanity beyond war. But uh, later in Zeta and even more so in Victory, it takes a very cynical view that, no, they're just tools that will be manipulated by the powers that be for their own gains in war. Yeah. And they're not, you know, the, the shining light that everyone thought they would be at all. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, you know, uh, that that was, and, and it was nice to see kind of uh, a different take. And I guess in a lot of ways, the reason why they, I'm just kind of staying, my theory, probably why they did that was because, um, you know, you probably get away with saying that outwardly about the commentary of new types in a show that's supposedly alternate century, you know. So instead of doing it within the, the universal century kind of mythos there. But um, any any downsides of the show that you guys have anything um, besides you know the the shortened end one thing that uh, I thought was just a little kind of weird mm-hmm. isn't a major part of these episodes is when uh, the Frost Brothers are screening out these new type candidates and have them all playing cards and then like send four of them in a row after Garrett yeah which a lot of people conflate and make such a huge deal about like oh you're turned into a monster of the, the week, week show and that's yeah. what sucks but those four guys in those four episodes really are just a minor part of things that went on in those episodes it's not like the whole ep- it's not like 
each episode was those each of those guys. Oh yeah, what about the um the artificial new type that showed up in the series? What was his name again? Karis. 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 Thank you. Yeah, it, it, that was a that was a pretty cool um episode for the fact that um Jamil it forced Jamil to get back into the pilot seat, didn't it? After you know he had been yeah he'd been yeah. you know completely afraid of even piloting a suit after the whole you know traumatic events of the end of the the after you know the war, and then you know, he taught Garrett to you know to fight against the new type when mm-hmm. he wasn't one, which yeah. was a nice flip because you always saw the new types as the unbeatable ace and then you got a guy who's not a new type who goes against a new artificial new type and just beats the piss out of him with you know a little coaching from a former new type which kind of brings me to two points about uh jameel and, and garrett the thing about jameel is if you look at him especially based on his past you could kind of say that he was amuro ray but grew up into bright noah yeah yeah wigan wigan brought up a really good point on the boards where he's kind of like amuro ray from the one year war quacho and bright noah all rolled up into one character and you see yeah. those stages within him as the series goes along and it makes him awesome yeah it makes him awesome yeah. I, I like his camaraderie with the doctor too what, what was the doctor's name Tex, Tex? Yeah. yeah Dr. Tex um, they had like you know because those are the two guys that went all the way back and then there was a story arc that was really interesting where it was with uh, a former a former um, comrade of Jamil's the, the, the girl the he had a crush girl. on Lorelai Lucille. Yeah. Lucille I'm sorry Lucille and she was um, that was that was very heart wrenching because of the fact that you know she was pretty much locked in time and you know she was pretty much she became the weapon that she was intended to be but ended up helping them out in the end anyway but um the fact that you know he lost her for the second time was sad well it's- and also about uh garrett you know in terms of like you know his performance as you mentioned Solbro, that he he beats a new type yeah what's interesting about the guy is that he probably is the most adaptable you know as far as main gun we've ever seen because he has no special skills mm-hmm. no special abilities no new type no seed no Nothing. anything he's just an yet. average dude but i mean he- he's just an average dude who learns through trial and error and becomes very adaptable. And on top of that, he had to be in the line of business that he was in, Jack and Suits. You know, he he was no stranger to a mobile suit from the beginning of the show. I mean, uh, the the first episode shows that when he tricks the one guy to come out of his suit and uses it uses it uses it against him with and, a flashback pistol. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, well, um, it showed uh, it 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 showed with um, you know Garrett is the you know you had to be that type of person, especially in that type of environment, because yeah. you had to be adaptable and you had to listen to other people that had you know, more experience than you because um, there was nothing there for anyone. And, you know, you had to depend on yourself, but you also had to learn that, you know, things change quickly and survival's the utmost importance. That was like the whole thing behind him. And and he is one of the, I, I know he's kind of forgotten because, you know, the show hasn't come over here and you know, a lot of people don't have that much, uh, you know, haven't really viewed the show that much. But in my aspect, I, I think he is one of my favorite of the Gundam pilots of, of all time because because of his adaptability and, and the fact that, yeah, he didn't have the trump card. You know, he his his trump card was, um, you know, even in a little sense, it, it he he had his trump card was kind of super robot robotish in a way. Is he just had the willpower? He wanted to get things done, and especially when he got to the point of wanting to protect Tifa, that was his whole goal. And and then you know, as things got bigger mm-hmm. and you know things escalated, that goal became you know keeping what happened in the past ha- from happening again, and and um, you know that's what makes him more enjoyable because he doesn't ha- he doesn't ever really have that um I, I may be wrong but I don't really remember him having the emo moment where he just oh he didn't but you know he just 
is like crying and complaining and or you know thinking oh I'm the best you know I can do whatever he did that he had that a little bit when he fought Karis but you know qu- he quickly got put in his place but then he quickly understand yeah you know what the situation was well he, he had one ace in his hole and that was the X itself I mean, that suit was like in regards to all the other Gundams that's one of the most powerful yeah. suits well out that there. was the interesting thing about the and another point of the show that I like too is that this is the first time that you really see how um, how the Gundams are kind of feared, um, you know, and that they are just really, we- you know, shown as weapons of mass destruction, especially oh, yeah. the uh, the GX, which um, first episode. Yeah, which no, it wasn't the first episode, um, but it's like the second episode. Oh, it's the second episode. But, yeah, we waste the whole valley. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's one of the ones that you we you know we we always kind of see and like Chris said, you you kind of see the the Gundam, especially in like the first show, it's kind of the hero. You know, the, the Gundam is the face of the embodiment of goodwill, but, you know, these people are, are scared to death of mobile suits and the Gundams, especially because of what happened in the war. And the thing also about the, the Gundam X is even though it's powerful, it's not some spam machine. No. He's over and over. The cannon requires Tifa to be there. It requires, you know, the night moonlight. It requires all this stuff. And then on yeah. top of that, it gets taken away from him pretty early on yeah yeah when it gets smashed up by by karis and uh their their ace mechanic kid you know refines it into the much more balanced uh divider so yeah. aptly named kid <laughs> yeah and, his head and, turned backwards and even though and even though it is kind of the ace in the hole after the first couple times of using it and i mean like you stated when he first used it he basically put uh tifa in catatonic shock because she felt all the people getting killed yeah. so they don't they're not they they really try to stay away from that and that was also you know the thing with jameel jameel didn't really want that thing used because you know he was part of that force that was supposed to uh repel the the attacks you know 15 he, he years ago and, he, and and they failed he so. knew what it was capable of too i mean so firsthand but i don't know anything else guys before we kind of wrap this up i'll point out two things um going back to the direction i just love how the fight scenes in that show were directed and the way they implemented all you know how gundam is infamous for the cutaway shots where you show a you show a pilot in a suit while the action is going on in the scene the way they incorporated that into the show they, they did it in a very creative way and they kind of made it play out in the action scenes that kind of enhanced that too I, I like that the show has a very cinematic feel and my favorite character in the show is a woman I like to call her the combination of Haman Khan Demona and Grandis Granova from um, Secret of Blue Water that's right Eno L the sexy redhead thank you <laughs> Chris. I like I like I like I, 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 I overall though the show is awesome and um for those who haven't been exposed to it um hopefully you can find it watch it and 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 oh it's out there and and and, and 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 enjoy it like we have I will agree with uh, Solbro especially about Enel That's yeah right. <laughs> I would also add you know don't listen to all the crap you hear on on the internet it's not the black sheep of the franchise not by far don't don't listen to any moron who says that the show sucks just watch it yourself and and see for yourself whether you like it or not. Well, um, I guess there's really not much more I can say, and I would do you know the third yay on Enel, um, you know, being a very great and strong uh, uh, female character, especially in a Gundam show. And um, you know, anybody check it out. And there's also available too. They've also translated, I guess, with um, they re- uh, they re-released it in Japan about a year or so ago, and they also did a, um, a manga, I guess, that came with the. Yeah. The um, under the moonlight, and that's kind of a it's kind of a subtext story. And I've read the first two volumes, and it kind of goes in 
with the continuation of the end of X. But, um, you know, uh, if you're able to check that out, definitely check that out, too. So um, we will uh, be concluding this 12th installment of Gundam Roundup with Gundam X. And we will uh, next in the 13th installment, we are going to probably have uh, probably the second or the third most anticipated uh, roundup, which would be uh, for uh, Gundam Wing Endless Waltz, the movie and OVA versions. Uh, we discussed Gundam Wing a couple ep- a couple roundups ago, and we told you in that one that we were going to do both Endless Waltz and Wing separately. So we did, or are we going to? You guys uh, stay tuned for that. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. <laughs> They blow my car! They blow my car! They blow my car! Gun damn shame. They blow my gun damn car! All you got to say is the gun damn shame! No car, no money, you're having a bad day! That's it! I'm through with you, man! I'm calling some of my f***ing homies, I'm getting alone, and I'm stepping the f*** off! I am a very stylish girl. Striking out on finding your favorite manga, anime, or series merchandise nearby or online? Lost when it comes to finding pop music from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian markets? Well then, Florida Oriental Trading is here to help. If you live in the Central Florida area, head on over to the intersection of Colonial Drive and Mills Avenue near downtown Orlando. You'll find FOT right next to the CVS Pharmacy. For those who live abroad, find out more about our favorite store online at FloridaOrientalTrading.com or call them directly at area code 407-895-0650. FOT carries a large selection of merchandise such as art books, t-shirts, posters, wall scrolls, soundtracks, PVC figurines, models, and much, much more. Also, it's a great place to find imports of your favorite musical artists and the latest films from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian countries. Last but not least, Florida Oriental Trading is not only home to the best selection of anime on DVD in Central Florida, but there you'll find a wide variety of manga too. On top of that, all of their manga is always priced at 20% less than retail daily 20% that's right Frank 20% Florida Oriental Trading is open every day except Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time you even find them open most holidays so if you're local stop on by and visit Quan and Debbie or give them a call at area code 407-895-0650 and give them the business tell them Gundam at MAHQ sent you how do I look? Someone made a big Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. We're going to go back to a little freeform conversation with a simple question. What is more important in a series? Characters are the mecha that are, that, that are in the series. It's a simple question, but I'm sure it's a complicated answer. And we'll start. I'll, I'll turn the um, I'll turn the uh, opinions to you guys. What were you guys' thoughts on that song? It's, it's the relationships. It's neither. It's, it's neither. <laughs> we're not reviewing episodes of something here. Oh my God! I know it's just shock, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm crippled. I'm paralyzed. I don't. I don't. I don't know. How can you go on? You didn't want to go over episode. Uh, <laughs> 20 or uh, 22 of Kogias again? Oh no! <laughs> hey, since we finished up um, Double O, now we can start with go Code Geass R1 all over R2 all over again. Yeah, we should review. <laughs> we should review our reviews. 
But um, I uh, no. <laughs> but no, I, should. I, I would say to your question, it's the relationships because I've become a shipper. No, you have become a shipper. No, Sweet. I haven't become a shipper. Sweet, it's nice for you to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of a. I would say, as a fan of the Becca genre, I've always been attracted to the robots. When I originally became a fan of, of mecha anime, that's what I was uh, drawn to. And of course, yeah, the, the characters are always, you know, you always like the, the cool guy, you know, the cool big brother, the, the traitorous villain and all these, you know, the, you know, the cutesy girl and all these other, you know, the, the rascally little, you know, kid that kid mascots and all that. I think for a true mecha show, I think it, it's it has always been kind of the mecha but lately um, as we're seeing with shows like uh, uh, the double O and in uh, even a Macross Frontier and, and, and uh, a Code Geass that uh, the the characters are becoming a little bit more important and I would really state the fact of a Code Geass being probably the, the biggest um, example is that I was more involved in the character of, of Lush Ramparouge than I really was worried about like what cool new mech they were going to bring out and I liked all the mechs in all the Nightmare frames, uh, like the Lancelot and the Gavin and all those frames. But, um, you know, as as I've grown older and as I've watched, you know, countless hours of mecha anime, I I think that I am still I'm I'm becoming more character oriented when it comes to my stories. But it will not say that I I still just love um, the fact of having just giant machinery do incredible things, you know. You know, we spoke about a Gurren Lagann, and as, as as great as all those characters were, I still liked all the cool things that the Gurren would do, and you know, the Lagann would do, and you know, all the little transformations, and you know, I, I still I still like that a lot. So, I mean, um, I would probably say if I was to break it down off a hundred percent, I'm probably at this point fifty five percent Mecha. 45% character. If you talked to me a couple years ago, I'd probably was about 60 or 65% mecha. Wow. Um, and, you know, character. Where, you know, characters are characters, but what has always brought me into this genre has been, you know, 40 foot tall or 40 meter tall robots <laughs> that uh, shoot lasers and have rocket punches and stuff. So Breast of fire. Uh, you know, <laughs> breast missiles. So... <laughs> I mean, that's kind of my thought there, but uh, I'm sure everybody's waiting with bated breath to hear what Chris has got to say. Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> well said, sir. No, um, you know, one of the things that always kind of bothers me is when people say, like, oh, I don't want to watch that show. The, the mecha designs suck. Case in point, like, say, Turn A. Mm. Oh, yeah. So it's like, obviously, the designs are an important part of the show because that's what the show is about. But you can't focus on that to the exclusion of every single other thing because if you say something as ignorant as oh i don't like the designs in turn a therefore i won't watch the show and the show sucks that's really stupid and narrow-minded you know it's actually kind of funny i don't mean to jump in chris but it's kind of funny when i, I hear something like that um until i had watched turn a i, I had read those things and people complaining about it. and i you know i'd seen line art of of the turn a and the turn x and all the different mobile suits and that but when I started watching the show, it was kind of refreshing, uh, you know, to have it where it just wasn't the same old, you know, the V fin on top of the head and, you know, the, the, the mask, you know, the, the mask on the head and, you know, the, the, the normal look. So it was kind of interesting to see a different take and the, the, the environment kind of dictated what those suits looked like. But, yeah. Uh, I, I but, guess Tomino finally got carte blanche on the show. <laughs> But uh, continue. Sorry to inter interject there, but and and in that example, you know, full full disclosure, I did not like Turn A when I 
when I first watched it, but that's because I had a different mindset, not because I thought the mecha designs sucked. And um, the thing for me is, unless you're talking about a show where the robots themselves are the characters, like, say, Transformers, yeah. Yeah. I don't see why you would say, oh, I don't like those mecha designs, therefore I won't watch the show, because, you know, those mechas still need pilots in them, and those pilots aren't in them all the time. So, you know, people like this who have such a simplistic view are ignoring things like character development, story progression, and all these other things that are part of a mecha show. A mecha show is not just, let's show a robot on screen for 22 minutes, because there's no show that's like that. (laughs) So my interest foremost has always been in uh, the character. So if I had to rate it, you know, with a percentage, I would say 75, 25, wow. really? maybe even 80, 20. Nice. Because there's no, there's no point. I mean, there's no point in watching a show that has really nice designs. If everything else about it is terrible, Yeah. but you can have a show, you can have a show that has terrible designs and, and designs, you know, that's, that's up to each person's individual opinion. That's totally subjective. A show can have terrible designs and still be a fantastic show. Perfect example. Um, Ideon has some butt ugly looking things in it. <laughs> the giant gym, king of GMs. Well, the the god of GMs is not anything bad looking, but like all of the, uh, oh. the buff clan mecha. Oh god, <laughs> are just weird looking contraptions. And it's like each one is stupider looking than the last. Yeah. Some of them are kind of cool, but you know they for the most part look really stupid. Especially when they get to the monster of the week ones too. Yeah, but it's a good show despite those hideous looking things so there's plenty more examples out there that i could name off but there's really not much point in that so you know for people who say oh you know the i don't like the mecha designs so i won't watch the show i would have to disagree with that you know 100 percent because that's not just what the show is so for me my interest has always been characters first and foremost yeah i guess i could say though too is i I think people also sometimes have to especially with um a genre like mecha not always concern too too much about the uh the characters where i mean you do want to see some cool mech combat yeah. and some cool things going on. And, and I, I mean, it is, and I'll use this example of, and I hate to have referenced this show, but um, uh, Evangelion. Oh. Um, I would say that, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's mecha related. It's, it's a mech show. But when you watch that show, they were focusing too much on the characters, especially from the middle part on. And you didn't really get to see what those things, what the, the Avas could do. Um, you had to wait to even see what they could do in the later 15 remakes and re-envisionings of what, they ha- what they've done. But for the original show, it's like its position as being those were the main focus of, uh, you know, it was a mecha show and those were kind of the, you know, the main focus and these are great weapons but we never got to see what they could do fully they were never really fully realized in the tv show but uh and and they just went to the point of you know it just got you're sitting there focusing on characters and it's like okay great but you know i still want to see some mech on mech combat you know well that's that's true but if if you only want to watch you know combat and that's all you care about well no watch I'm not saying you. I mean, if someone yeah. is saying, oh, because there's also people who's like who's only interested in a show is seeing the fights. Yeah, this is sort of the exact same thing. Well, there's more to a show than just watching fights. If you want to go just see a show, it's nothing of fighting. Go watch some shonen tournament show. Yeah, that's, that's exactly I, what they should turn into. I think that's what makes it so difficult sometimes with mecha shows to be you know appreciated by kind of a mass audience is because it takes a very it's a very fine line into keeping it from being like just uh, robots and they fight and they fight and they fight or you know just this whole thing about you know characters and oh you know my dad died this happened whatever and it's it's a very fine balance of 
you know, doing that. And, and we've seen, you know, shows that have a, a good balance of that. Zeta Gundam, for example, has yeah. a great balance of your, your character development. You're seeing all these characters. Camille's changing. Quattro's changing. All these things that are going on. But every episode, there's some type of mech-on-mech violence. So, I, I mean, I, I've, I've always liked more, more of the action and all that. But, you know, as, I, as I've grown, I, I, as I've grown older, I, I definitely, you know, and, and, and being a, a exposed to more shows, it's always been the characters are starting to become a big part. But um, I guess Soul Bro. I'm, I'm sure we we know the uh, the answer to this. What is uh, <laughs> what is your uh, what, what makes what makes a great show to you? The characters of the mech. Well, it, when I was growing up, I'd have to say it was um, it was about when I you know the first mecha show I guess I could say I was introduced to was Voltron, and what got me into that was. Um, the lions you know and the characters really were cool to see but uh, all i wanted to see them was pilot the lions remember at the beginning of that show where they had to find the keys yeah. to get into the suits you know yeah. you you waited all week for that to happen and it finally did and then it finally got the pilot the damn the, the, the damn thing and you know form voltron and that was the most important thing to me as a kid to me it was 90 percent mecca 10 yeah. percent show but then i got introduced to a little show called robotech and that's what first turned me on to characters and the fact that i actually ended up looking forward to the characters more so than the mecha the mecha were cool because they were transforming jets and that was like the coolest thing i'd ever seen in animation but then you know after looking back on the first 36 episodes of macross saga, the macross saga and i'm realizing that i'm hooked on these characters and the dramas are going through and for the first time i am i'm a sucker for a soap opera you know that's when i realized the value of a good you know a good cast of characters and the, the suits were nothing more than a accoutrement for you know for for the for the things that were going down um over the years yeah characters to me are 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 a big deal uh to me uh if the show doesn't have good characters you can have good designs all day for mecca but if your characters suck i'm leaving <laughs> i'm not really going to be that interested like um candidate for um was it candidate for pilot uh, pilot candidate yeah pilot candidate i think what got beautiful me about that show suits. was the the shorts yeah exactly <laughs> beautiful looking suits nothing for me there in the story nothing i just wasn't feeling it you know um and maybe we'll talk about that show later on in another episode of gundam but never yeah maybe not <laughs> but oh never yeah exactly. see there you go um, remember we are not the walmart of mecca pod <laughs> MHQ is not the mecca of, of, of Walmart of mecca web, websites. I will say this, though. I do see the importance of mecca because it's not a mecca show without it. Um, when you market a show, you have to have attractive-looking suits that people will buy Gunpla. You know, they'll go out and buy model kits. I mean, in Japan, is, is, is the biggest thing about producing a mecca show is that you better have merchandise to go with it that people are going to go out and buy. It's killed certain shows. When they don't sell kits, they don't move kits, the show dies. Um, and I can see that there's got to be an initial appeal with the suits um if it's not there you're going to yeah, lose but from a our western perspective how many people are not buying yeah. merchandise but the thing like is but the thing is the bread and butter has always been in japan so they're, yeah they're, but they're, from the, but we're not japanese but i mean i could see it from a company's perspective that, well, obviously but yeah. we're talking we're not talking about the company's perspective we're, we're talking, talking about, about ours yeah. and we're talking about western fans so how many western fans don't buy model kits. Don't give a crap. Don't buy any of this stuff. About they 90% of the them. <laughs> exactly. So I'd probably say more than that. Who, but for no. us who do buy this merchandise, yeah, yeah, that's great, but most of us do not. Yeah, true. But I, 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 granted, I can't deny the, 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 the importance of Mecca for the fact that, that, you know, good designs also lead to, um, you know, exciting set pieces when you get to see these Mecca in action. Oh, yeah. And, you know, 
Code Geass is a, is a great example, especially towards you know the end of the show where you see um we see the Gurren and the Lancelot go at it you know to a land based Dukeru. It's freaking awesome. But um you know if if, if I, it, I I I don't want to defend those who see bad designs and want to turn off on the show, but it is the first thing you see. Well, let me ask and you. Let me, let me kind of pose this question to you guys. I mean, granted, uh, those people are shallow, but you know, whatever. Let me let me, let me ask you well, this kind of question because no problem. Um, I'll pose it to both Soul Bro. This question is both being posed to both Soul Bro and Chris. Okay. When you let's just say you see like a, a, a art online or something like that, like a, you know, like a the a show a show pick that they you know a promotional pick. What and you don't know anything about the show, but you want to find out about it and. And it's got a mech on there, and it's going to have the pilots. What captures your eye more? Like, what makes you kind of want to go check out this show to see if it's you know worth worth your watch, or might be something you might be interested in? Is it the cool mech up there, or is it the cool? Or is it the uh, you know? Is it the characters? Good question. Um, <laughs> I am. If, if they show, I am an ill-informed newscaster, so yeah. I do hit with hard-hitting <laughs> questions sometimes. If they show the you know the 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 line art for the characters and the and the, and the mecha. I'm looking. I guess I'm looking at the cast to see if they look interesting, and then you know I'll read the synopsis. You know, and if I see the suits, yeah, the, if the suits look interesting or they look weird, and I'm kind of turned off on them, I guess my I'd lean more so to the the look of the characters and what the synopsis for the show is. I'm um, not talking about but the synopsis. synopsis no, I'm talking but I mean, that I'm talking. You're you you're online yeah. and you're just messing around. Interesting. And let's characters. say you're on a let's say you're on a Japanese website and you see this picture. Yeah. You see like a promotion picture and it's showing it. You know what what is what is drawing you to say, oh man, I need to check this. To see what this is. Well, with, 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 let's use Double O as an example. When I saw the character designs for Double O, I was a little turned off. But you off. knew it was Gundam, though. I'm talking, yeah, I, I'm I knew, talking uh, not, wait, not but, a franchise well, you don't know. Oh, a franchise I don't know. Just, yeah. just something out of the blue. Well, I'm just saying it is a good example because I was a little turned off on that show because of the fact that the characters were pretty boys again. You know, just like you know, I'd seen in Seed and whatnot. And you know, I was I was kind of hoping to get a you know more you know grittier looking show, but you know I was proven wrong once I started watching it. So, but I mean, for a show I hadn't seen, yeah, I'm going to look at the characters. I'm going to see. If it if it if if it has a ton of memes in it, uh, not memes, but a ton of tropes in it, you know, just from looking at the character designs right off the bat, you know, and and you know, I get your know, your first initial impressions come from that sometimes, and I guess that's what I would look at first. Chris, I would say characters because again, it's like the point I made earlier. You're not going to be watching the robot for 22 minutes, yeah. So need to have like the characters perfect. I'll use an example. Back in um, say like mid 2006, when uh, the promotional images first went up, or some strange new show that was coming out called Tengen Topa Gurren Lagann, yeah. that nobody had heard about and was just being announced and wouldn't be coming out for another like eight months almost. And you know you had this promotional picture of this funky looking robot, but also you know this really hot busty girl with a rifle and some kind of like weird looking kid and some kind of crazy looking guy with blue hair and I thought wow this looks pretty interesting so it was kind of a mix of everything but it was more the characters because it just looked like it has such a like a funky style to it and, and sort of like you know sort of like a weird appeal and you know upon watching the show it, it exactly fulfilled those expectations so I would definitely say the characters because that's what you're going to be spending the most time with and even though I place more character emphasis when I watch any show it's not just it's not just mecha. It's any show that I watch, whether it's a shown in action or a sci-fi or a comedy or whatever. Um, I just want to state for the record that I am not now, nor have I ever been a shipper. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
I, I just joked about that at the beginning. Cause... <laughs> but I think I should make it clear in case people start to wonder. Yeah. Since yeah. I put so much emphasis more on characters than the mecha. But no, I'm, I'm not a ship. Well, speaking, speaking of all those who do watch the shows for the mecha, how many of the people tuned into the Dukes of Hazard for the General Lee? A lot of people. They want to see the jumps, man. That's all they want. They, they tune into the show to see. Uh, what about those those narrow-minded cats? You know? I wouldn't really use that show as an example. There's <laughs> more substance to it than that. So Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's, there's just some people that are that simple-minded. I'll, I'll give you an example of that. Go for it. Perfect example. And I see this all the time still, and it, bits, it pisses me off so much. Go for it. People who watch the new Battlestar Galactica Ooh. and playing almost all the time that there's not enough viper combat oh okay it's like i want to see viper there's no viper it's like last time i checked you know it, the, the show is called battlestar galactica not space fighter viper <laughs> they don't care about anything that's going on in the show they don't care about the characters they don't care about the story they just want to see vipers and and raiders and that's a shame because i mean and they're missing the whole point of the show and they're exactly. missing everything else of the show just because they want to see you know vipers and raiders shooting it up they might as well just go play a video game Exactly. Go play the video game. Exactly. If you want to see, all, you see all the all the viper combat you've ever wanted to see in that, and probably be disappointed. <laughs> exactly. But that's that's. I think that's a good example of that point. That there's so much substance in that show that you're missing if you choose to ignore all that and say you only want to focus on this one narrow aspect that obviously is not the focus of the show. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm probably a l- little different from you guys when it comes to that question. Like, I'll see the characters, and I mean, I'll I'll take the example of when I first saw the kind of the promotion stuff when it came out originally for um, Kogias and you know I saw the characters first and they were kind of interesting but you know it kind of at first I thought it was kind of you know it looked like like a high school drama and you know you had kind of the same old things but you know when I started seeing some of the other things that were going on there with the nightmare frames that kind of put me over the edge um, you know I, I like characters and, and I, I enjoy them and stuff but when it comes to I always just always go by the um, the attitude of I just take everything for what it is like yeah. a mecha show i take it for what it is um you know mecha show is going to have a lot of times it's going to have some of the archetypes and it's a lot of them are going to break convention especially now they're breaking convention but you know you always kind of want that payoff of some you know mech on mech violence and i know that i'm not going to have that for 22 episodes nor do i really want that for 22 episodes because that would get really boring on it but i do like um you know to me uh, that is sometimes the uh the thing that kind of puts me over the edge, especially with um, those type of shows, um, you know, like a, a show like Escaflown. I mean, I, you know, when I first really kind of saw the stuff for that, it, it, you know, it looked like kind of a wussy fantasy drama to oh, me. But then when I yeah, saw like, the, but when I saw that like the Escaflown and I saw that stuff, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool, you know, because this is a, a really, you know, kind of it kind of captured me. Because to be honest, uh, some of those characters just by looking at them, it didn't they didn't look that interesting. I mean, they were kind of the the archetypes that you always have. Just like Kogius, I had to be coerced into watching Escaflown. Yeah. And when I watched it, I was like, I wondered why it took so long to see it. Or 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 the best example of of trying to coerce somebody into watching something would be G Gundam. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> that that wackiness I wanted no part of until I finally started to get into that. But, and, mean, now, and you got to I got to admit it was the mech designs of that show that completely turned me off at first because I could not see those two universes know, combined. Man. That that thing's got so many awesome oh, yeah, designs well, though, between oh. the God Gundam, you got the Maxter, you I just got George's. My I forget what his is called. The Noble Gundam was awesome, yeah. even though it was like a, a oh they're all Gundam. awesome. But you know I wasn't that far. All I saw was like the you just saw uh, all I saw was Tequila Gundam. The, you know. No. <laughs> and I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that something I had always known as real robot could be 
more than that. And once I got into the show and watched it, yeah, you have to really watch the execution to really, you know, before you can come up with your final decision. You know, you just can't look at line art and and all of that. I mean, even if a show has, you know, goes the extra mile to really do something different and the mech designs look weird. Like if they did a Steampunk Man show, I'd be there because I like Steampunk, but someone else may not be because they don't think that that would fit into that, you know, that whole that you know that the mecha and spe- steampunk don't go together or something like that. You, there's always going to be someone who's going to hate something. But I'd say to anyone to watch. No, you should love everything. <laughs> I'd say watch the show for a couple episodes before you make that final decision, especially if you're on the fence. Just don't write it off because it's easy to do. Just give it a shot and and see what the show has to offer. I mean, I would miss out on a lot of good mecha shows, and I probably have thanks to that mentality. Who knows? Full Metal Panic may be good. I'll find out. <laughs> it, it, it is good. Welcome to 2002. I know. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Exactly. God, Full Metal Panic. <laughs> Man, you know what I really want to watch is a lot of the older shows from the 70s, the Super Robot shows, which, you know, have some way far out designs and they're just wacky, you know, the, you know, just in execution themselves. But, you know, they have kick-ass characters and, uh, you know, the, the suits may look a little behind the times because they are dated. But, you know, those shows even deserve, you know, a look-see just to see what they have to offer. I want to see Get a Robo, the original series, and, you know, Die Tarn 3 and all those shows just to see what they have to offer. I, I don't want to write those shows off because they look too old or, you know, character designs are outdated. I don't want to do that either. You should explore before you make your decisions. <laughs> and that's – I'll stick by that. So I guess I, I, I've probably lost the fight on this one. Oh, I didn't, even give, I didn't even give my percentage. Um, when it comes to characters in uh, Mecha, it's seventy-five, twenty-five for me. Dang. Yeah. Seventy-five, twenty-five. That's okay though. I'm always more visual, but um, nothing wrong with that. I no, mean, no, I can no. see where you're coming from because it's kind of the gateway into a show. If you see interesting Mecha, that's going to entice you to watch the series. And then, like for instance, didn't you watch a show that you completely? I'm trying to think. You watched a Mecha show that you watched entirely, but you ended up not liking it. I think I'm trying to remember which one it was, but hmm. damn. Well, I don't know. I don't know either. I, I don't really have a way to go, Sobro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. When it comes to Mecca, I, I, I'm usually pretty generally happy with most of the shows. Um, you know, there, there's very few of them that are just, like, completely garbage. Um, you know, they, they, they at least appeal to the two parts. They either have an interesting character. Uh, some pretty cool mech stuff and, and mech combat. So, but, you know, so... I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I still kind of look at it as you know, um, you know, when I when I was smaller, and especially when it comes to Super Robot. I mean, when it when it comes to Real Robot, I, I usually pay a little bit more attention to that when I just look at the stuff. But when it comes to Super Robot, I mean, like uh, Tenjo Ten or not Tenjo Tenge with Gurren Logan. Um, I got that on my mind. Um, with Gurren Logan, I mean, I, I thought all the the characters were cool, but I when I saw the different when they'd show the different things of the Gurren Logan, I was just like, oh my god, I got to see what this thing does, yeah. and you know, you know, all that stuff. So I don't know. I I guess you know this will probably be a, a question that would elicit great responses on the old Mecha Talk forum because I'm sure everybody's got a little bit of an opinion on this one. And of course, I'm sure uh, uh, the resident Canadian pedo bear will say something completely oh, yeah, off he's, the wall. Oh yeah, he's he's definitely gonna have. To keep it going, uh, mad, but, mad opinions of his own. But Chris, any last words on this subject, or any any other insights that you might have? Not in particular. Oh well, darn. No straight talk because it's still with John McCain. Dang. <laughs> but uh, it's a guy back to me yet, and he didn't he didn't fill up the tank last time. So I, I hope you're I hope you're getting a good rate for rental. It's more a charity case than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, if that's if that's all, um, that's it for this this segment, and we will be back in a few minutes with more Gundam at MAHQ. 
you, jackass. I'm with you. Why don't we talk this out? I don't see a need for that kind of language. Now, if you yeah. want to go outside right now, I'll no. take both of uh, you. We're going to vote, right Alan. We're not going to fight. We're going to uh, vote. Let's vote. Let's I... vote, and then we'll fight. All right, everybody, welcome back, and thank you for joining us on this milestone edition of Gundam at MHQ, with this being not only the silver anniversary episode 25, but this is a, uh, a soul bro screwing up the news free episode. <laughs> it is uh, also a <coughs> free episode as we did conclude the last four episodes of Gundam 00 season with some discussion. Um, and we also talked about the 12th installment of the ongoing series of Gundam Roundup with uh, After War Gundam X, which uh, we'll be doing next week, or next episode, we'll be doing an, ep- an installment 13, uh, Gundam Wing Endless Walls. And we finally went back to a kind of a free-flowing, uh, free free-form topic, something we haven't done in a long time, and uh, one of the one of the things that we originally envisioned for Gundam to do before it just became the big uh, monster that it became during the summer, uh, and that is going with what is more important in the Mecha series, the characters of the Mecha. So um, for myself here, uh, Neo and Chris and Soulbro, uh, we thank everybody. You guys have any final thoughts, any thank yous, any goodbyes, any news on the MHQ front? Uh, Chris, are these standard things? Things are coming. Some news in January. Oh, oh man, a oh. teaser! Wow. Oh man, is is this news that could is actually gonna bear fruit or? <laughs> news in January. News, news in, in January. January. Wow, a new year. You and I comment on rumor and speculation. <laughs> hey, January is gonna be a big month, man. Inauguration. My birthday. New Solbro's birthday. That's big right. news from MHQ. Wow, can't wait. Mirror of Hippo? January's going to be popping, man. 2009, baby. It will be. 2009, excitement. But uh, Anything else, Chris? Or I like News in January. News in January. Awesome. I'd like to say word to, to some of the listeners who have been um, who have been listening to some of the music in the background and picking up um, and have been guessing and guessing correctly, you know, some of the some of the tracks that, you know, that are produced in the backgrounds of the shows. Good ear, you guys. Good ear. You and, should make that a game. Hey, it should be. I got to I really got to start responding to some threads, man. I'm so negligent to, when it comes to that. Yeah, you probably should. I, I, I plan on it. I plan it. I, I my New Year's resolution <laughs> respond to more threads on, on Mecha Talk. Speaking of which, anybody who's listening you should always visit mechatalk.net for um which is the official forum for um mahq.net which is the mother of all websites also you can check um the uh, website for our show gundam at gundam.net and you can reach us by email by emailing um us at uh gundam mahq at gmail.com um also you can find us on myspace facebook and itunes and zune on itunes and zune you just search for gundam and you'll find us on either and um other than that, uh, I can only ask you guys to also um, check out our sister podcast, which is uh, Level 9 at uh, level9show.blogspot.com. They talk about video games, and um, they're, 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 they're looking for ears, so check them out. But um, other than that, that's all I got to say. Video games are for I guess also in January, probably what well actually it would be march would be but i'm sure in january with the current state of double o all i gotta you know i'm sure the king is still coming oh the, the king. king is coming oh he's yes. coming he's, he's coming got his, he's got his golden pizza cutter with him but it's yes. called a scalibur but uh 
king only in one person's mind. Sadly. You know. No, thankfully. You know, Chris. It's a. I. I I, I really it, it's gonna be I'm I'm waiting with just great anticipation for episode fifty of Double O. because uh, that's gonna be a good app. As long I as think. he gets the girl, man, that's all I want. I, I just want him to just be able to go back to normal life, man. That's it, man. That's all. One of these with days. a one armed girl. How's that normal? Hey, man. Oh. but um, <laughs> at least she's loaded. Well, uh. On that note, we'll get out of here. But I uh, just want to thank everybody who's been uh, listening and, and uh, responding on the Mega Talk forums. And, you know, like Solbro said, if you have any questions, comments, or anything on there, just hit us up on the forums or get us on the email sites. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with episode 26 with some more Mech on Mech action. And, um, you know, for myself, Neo, Solbro, and Chris, we say goodbye and see you at episode 26. Later. Peace. See ya. First, Prime. Then, Ultra Madness. And now, you. It's a pity you Autobots die so easily, or I might have a sense of satisfaction now. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. Well, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous.